commercials, no subscriptions, no network, no rules, and at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. And after tonight, no more winter of weirdness. Welcome to the uh, finale of the winter of weirdness. As I said at the beginning of last week's episode, uh, look, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a weatherman. So as I was putting together last week's graphic, I thought to myself, hey, when does the winter end? And then I realized that it ends uh, this coming Sunday. So, you know, legally, this could all, this has to be the last episode of the Winter of Weirdness. Nobody, nobody wants a Winter of Weirdness episode, uh, you know, once the spring starts. So this is the end of the Winter of Weirdness. Um, I guess we'll reflect a little bit on it afterwards at the end of the show. And uh, I'll give you – I have no real plans for what's next, So, uh, but, but maybe I'll muse about it um, at, the end of the, uh, uh, at the end of the program. Uh, but we're going out tonight. Uh, the wow is going out with a bang because uh, we got a great guest on the program tonight. First-time guest on the show, good friend of mine, somebody uh, I've had the pleasure of hanging out with uh, on multiple occasions here in Massachusetts, and uh, we've gone on some adventures. We've uh, explored, uh, we'll get into it later, America's Stonehenge um, and uh, the Exeter Festival and stuff like that. So he's a... Uh, He's a he's a Massachusetts guy. I won't call him a mass hole. Actually, he is a sweetheart. I will say that. Matt Hopewell is the guest. You may know him as AP Strange. Uh he's very prolific online, especially on Twitter. He's uh he's a force to be reckoned with uh on weird Twitter. And um uh, and he's just a really cool guy. And like I said, he's he's sort of like I'm sort of like the curmudgeonly <laughs> the curmudgeonly uh Dude, and, and Matt is uh, a total sweetheart and one of the nicest guys uh, I've met. So um, we make, we make a good pairing when we're when we're exploring some of these places. And uh, I'm excited to get him on the program finally. So uh, welcome to the show, Matt. AP Strange, uh, it's great to have you, brother. Hey Tim, it's an honor to be here and an honor to be closing out a great winter of weirdness. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure, man. My pleasure. It's. Uh, Long overdue, and you were on the list here for uh, folks I want to get on, but all of America uh, here for the uh, winter of weirdness. So I, I have had, the, like I said, the pleasure of hanging out with you. I've gotten to know you uh, personally and everything. Um, but for the folks who – and it's funny because I remember we we first hung out like when you kind of just started really um, sort of – just sort of started kind of 
I always sort of liken it to like uh, this, this folks who they follow this stuff and this sort of folks who want to kind of be in it. You know what I mean? And, and you were like, I'm going to start doing stuff. And I'm like, go for it, man. You know, and then we kind of hung out uh, right around when you first were starting to do stuff. So what's the what's the bio, the background? You know, who is Matt Hopewell? How did the AP Strange name come about? Um, you know, give us give us the origin story of uh, of AP Strange and how you got mixed up in uh, the world of weird. <laughs> okay, um, sure. Well, I've had a lot of um, my own personal paranormal experiences throughout my life, um, and have always had interest in it. So it's kind of always difficult for me to figure out where it really began. Um, probably began with talking to a pair of luminous entities at the end of my bed when I was very little. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> just kind of reading about ghosts in the old Reader's Digest and Time Life books that my mom would buy. And uh, that led me down the path towards, like, cryptozoology, because like all kids, I was a big dinosaur, a big, big fan of dinosaurs, so the Loch Ness Monster and Machilia Mbembe were, like, fascinating to me. Um, and then, of course, UFOs, because that's going to get mixed into everything. Um, although at the time I was coming up with it, you know, being uh, more of, like, late 80s, early 90s, I was it was kind of a, uh, everything was all uh, Roswell, <laughs> Roswell, 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 that kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it was less interesting to me than the other subjects. And I kind of, when I discovered more of the old contact era and stuff, that's when it got really interesting for me and digging into the real history of it. So, I mean, I've been kind of an armchair fan and enthusiast and researcher my entire life. But in the last couple of years, <laughs> I always say the last couple now it's now it's getting to be more like five or six, but uh I've taken it more seriously. And uh as as for the name, when I got online I just wanted an anonymous name so that I could uh so that I could post about the stuff. And I was using Twitter as kind of a writing uh writing exercise because I figured if I could pare down my writing and be succinct that would be the best way to go. So a character limit on Twitter was, was <laughs> like a training tool for me, <laughs> writing-wise. Um, and the name was just, uh, I tried to come up with the most kind of out there, pretentious thing I could. And uh, <laughs> so that ended up being aficionado prodigiosus, which I can't even really pronounce right the first time. So <laughs> aficionado prodigiosus, purveyor of the strange, which later just got truncated to AP strange. There you go. All right. Yeah, yeah. I remember, like, yeah, yeah, because uh, yeah, you were kind of still kicking around the name when I first met you. So it was like, uh, yeah, that was that must have been kind of when you first were getting into this and stuff as far as doing things. So it's, it's good. It's good to see you. Did you say you had an encounter with entities at the end of your bed? Yeah, that was when I was really small. Um, I, have a, I have a hard time figuring out what age I was at the time. Uh, because for a long time in my life, I always thought I was about four or five or maybe even a little older because I had a bunk bed with my brother and I was up on the top. And uh, I figured he must have been at least like two or something to be in a bed and not a crib, right? Right. <laughs> but I've recently learned that they moved him to a bed way earlier because he like refused to go to sleep in a crib. So uh, I was probably three or four. Uh, yeah, just a pair of lights that appeared kind of at the end of my bed and started asking me very mundane questions. Um, like, who are you? 
why are you here? You know, where is here? Just like really strange questions like that. Weird. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I wasn't afraid of it at all. I was just more curious. Like, I kind of wanted to play with them. And I'm like, yeah, I'll yeah. answer these questions. Just play along with it, you know. And then um, it wasn't until I said, like, this is my room. Like, I live here. This is where I live. And then they kind of just, like, floated out towards the window. Like, I, I had declared ownership over the space, so they just left. And I was really bummed out about it. <laughs> so, and they never came um, back. No, I mean, the story gets way weirder from there. I guess we're doing a deep dive right into the weird, if you want to hear the weird part after that. <laughs> um, because I followed them, basically. It was, uh, I, I could see myself from outside my body, like, slumping back onto the pillow and falling asleep, and I went out the window after him. Oh, wow. And, uh, and what I ended up seeing was, like, balloons and a McDonald's in the center of my hometown. And uh, then when I woke up in the morning, it was like I kind of assumed it was all a dream. Uh, yeah. Or at least that's probably what I was told. I probably told my parents about it, and they said I was dreaming. And I went several years thinking it was a dream because there was no McDonald's in the center of my hometown. And um, and around uh, one of my birthdays, around the time of one of my birthdays, they opened the McDonald's there. And my mother had a birthday party for myself and my brother there <laughs> and they oh, were wow. all these balloons all these balloons and that was just kind of what made me think like okay even if that all was a dream it's like here i am in a mcdonald's that didn't exist before surrounded by birthday balloons <laughs> so yeah, yeah so that like was, even that if was it was a dream very right it could have been like a precognitive dream right yeah wow, that's weird that, yeah so having that as like probably one of my earliest memories and having that happen later, I think that just kind of always made me really um, look out for the weird stuff, you know, like not discount anything offhand <laughs> and accept virtually all possibilities, you know? Yeah, that's pretty wild. Yeah, that's interesting. What's interesting too is like they're asking you, Questions that like that does that you should have been asking <laughs> like who are you why are you here where where is like those those are the things you should have been asking them but they're asking you it's very uh it's like well, mind it's like, weird it occurred to me over time that those are the kind of questions a ghost hunter asks right yeah so what if I was the ghost and the ghost hunters have yet to even explore that location so. The ghostly, the, my, I would be appearing as a time slip kind of ghost some sometime in the future, and some future ghost hunters are asking those questions, talking to me back in 1980, whatever. <laughs> it's, it's like a, like a temporal rift or something like that. That's an interesting That's observation. A, yeah, yeah. Right. It's a it's a real weird yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> uh, now you really yeah. <laughs> Now you've really, now you've really gotten in my head. Yeah. Yeah, I really threw you away, of course, right at the beginning of the show. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's wild. Well, it is, yeah, you do, I have kind of heard that sort of pondered in a way where it's like, yeah, you wonder, uh, yeah, like, like, like we're, we're, like, we're, we're the ghosts for future ghost hunters, right? So, who knows? 
Who knows? Yeah, that's very weird. Right. Um, now, one of the things that we – now, you and I, we talked actually last night because I was kind of going over the notes with you a little bit, sort of different stuff to talk about. And one of the things that you're has become sort of, I guess, uh, one of your – one of your wheelhouse topics, let's say, is uh, is Elvis and Elvis weirdness, which I love because, right. uh, as uh, longtime listeners know, uh, we we explored the Elvis death hoax. I love death hoaxes, period, and the Elvis death hoax is like the the big daddy of death hoaxes. Um, and so, so we did a whole show, as you know, uh, with Mickey. I forget his last name. I don't have it in front of me off the top of my head, but uh, he he's like the Elvis. He's like the last man standing of the Elvis Death Hoax um, right. uh, community, if you will. Uh, and I loved that episode. So what, what, what interests you in, in Elvis? Because it's weird, because I never got – I'm not really an Elvis fan. I never got into Elvis at all. Um, so, I, I, But people like – but, you know, he's an icon. People, like, absolutely love him and stuff. But, uh, so what, what, made, what, you know, drew your fascination interest into Elvis? Well, that's one of the reasons. I mean, he is iconic, and um, Elvis is something that's larger than than the person, you know, that he that he actually was. The real life historical Elvis Aaron Presley is different from you know this kind of uh, cultural manifestation that we call Elvis. You know, it's more of yeah. a um, more of a pop culture egregore in a way, um, but. Um, yeah, no, I was brought up on the oldies, even though, you know, I'm pushing 40 now, but when when I was a kid, I listened to the oldies station with my dad, and I can tell you, I was always more of a Beatles kind of guy than an Elvis guy, but I did like Elvis, yeah. and um, I think what, what drew me to it more was, like, the Weekly World News and the tabloids when I was a kid, <laughs> yeah. like the National Enquirer, too, because it was just like, there was always, like, an Elvis sighting, and, and like, the TV specials that were on. And it just seems so hokey and so ridiculous that, um, uh, um, and I mean, that's one of the things that thrills me about all these weird fields where, um, where, you know, uh, other people might say like, oh, you're, you're cheapening the whole thing or you're making us all look bad by entertaining these ideas. And I'm like, no, let's entertain them. They're fun. You know, it's very fun. <laughs> so, um, I, I always got a kick out of it when I was younger. And then actually looking into it, it's like, it's a pretty deep rabbit hole. And, um, I, you know, I have to say, like, I can't really, I can't really get on board with most of, of the death hoax stuff, but there's really interesting stuff in there. And the more I yeah. pulled on it, the more I was finding, like, because there's so much literature on it, too. Like, there, there's so many different directions to go in. And um, I had approached Adam Fain on Conspiracy Normal about doing a show. And I hope to make it more of like a lighthearted roundtable type affair, but uh, nobody else seemed to want to bite on that. So <laughs> I ended up doing, <laughs> doing almost like two hours of Elvis material myself. So I um, dove head first into it, and uh, yeah, I found everything from <laughs> theories about Elvis being an alien to uh, Elvis being channeled by the likes of Hans Holzer. Uh, <laughs> um, and up to and including like Elvis never actually died, you know. Yeah, so, <clears throat> it was a fun subject, and it's like I kind of use Elvis as a, um, uh, I don't know, like as a totem in a way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, he, so. 
Yeah, the Elvis Death Hoax is we're, we're kind of similar in a way because it's like uh, like me with my with my interest in like the flat Earth. It's like it, it's very kind of maddening in a way because if you tell people you're interested in it, they immediately think you believe in it. And it's like I always have to anytime I talk about the flat Earth, I always have to like start with like the caveats. Like, look, I don't believe in this shit, but it's an interesting. It's a whole other fucking world. And it's an interesting – there are people that do, and it's a whole community. And like you said, with the Elvis thing, it's like there's, there's reams and reams of, like, literature of people who have written about this stuff. So to me, that's, right. that's the fascinating part about it. But as soon as you kind of bring it up, people, like, roll their eyes, and they're like, oh, you know, what, why are you even talking about this? It's like well, right. it's fucking interesting, it? and it's fun, and it's weird. Exactly. And it, but isn't that the crux of all of – all of the different weird phenomena that we look into. Because, I mean, your average Joe is going to be like, flying saucers, like, who cares? <laughs> Why do you bother right, reading right. a book about flying saucers? You read a whole book about it? Like, I mean, I got a whole library full of books about it, and people will get blown away by the fact that you're even entertaining the idea to begin with, you know? Um, yeah. I, it's coming around, it's changing now, but uh, I don't really see a line of demarcation. I, I think... Exploring the cosmology that other people live in is interesting anyway. I, I'm more interested in people and interest, interested in what they believe, and uh, you know, right. trying, trying to at least meet them halfway. And then I, I applaud you for having like Mark Sargent on your show and talking about the flat Earth, because um, you know most people wouldn't do that or they would just make fun of it, you know. And you've actually gone to the conference <laughs> and had a wild time with the flat earthers, you know. And it's it's all about just you know that kind of um, uh, you know the handshakes, meeting them halfway, and just kind of understanding where they're coming from, and meeting them as other human beings, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like my favorite, one of my favorite stories to tell about that event kind of ties back to what you were saying was, uh, you know, I was sort of trying to get into their heads about why they believe this stuff, and like I would ask them about other topics, and like anyone I any of the flat earthers I asked about like UFOs. And, you know, because I, I believe in UFOs sort of as a a general idea, right? Like, I don't know what yeah. they are, but, like, you know, I, I have an interest in UFOs, and I think that, for lack of a better term, like, well, we all know UFO is just a concept, unidentified flying object, right? So, but, but like, essentially, the, the flat others just fucking laughed in my face. Like, literally, literally laughed in my face, like a couple of them, where they're like, huh, huh. You 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 have an interest in that stuff? What are you fucking? You're you're the crazy one, and it was just sort right. of like you, you could almost like pause and just sort of like spin the camera around over my head, like where it was just like, whoa, hold on a minute, I'm the kook, I'm the fucking kook at the fucking flat Earth conference, and it just sort of changed my perspective in a big way, where it was like, all right, we're all fucking kooks here, and that's kind of essentially how I ended up getting along with a lot of them, where they're like. Oh, you believe in a lot of kooky shit too, so you're you're all right by us, even if you don't believe in what we believe. Right, and I mean, it, when you have that realization, it's really pretty freeing, right? If you if you're not so hung up oh, yeah. on being being taken seriously, like I, I have a deep fear of being t- taken seriously. I, I don't want anybody taking <laughs> me too seriously <laughs> because um, because it is it's all kooky shit and. Um, and if you recognize your own kookiness, then it's a lot harder to judge other people for their kookiness. Um, exactly. Right. Yeah, we're all yeah. kooks and in somebody's they, cosmology. So. 
Exactly. And then they trust you, and, you know, you can really kind of find a, like you were saying, like a middle ground and, and connect, uh, you know, and connect with them and shit. They trust you enough to open up a little bit. Um, so what you were telling me about this book, the Elvis, what what is the Elvis UFO connection? I, I remember you saying, like, you were trying to get your hands on this book, but it was, like, super rare, and then you finally found it? Yeah, I mean, I guess it didn't do too many printings. Um so I ended up finding, like, a reprint version, which is really pretty crappy because uh, I still paid a lot of money for it, more than I care to admit. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and, and you know, John Tenney offered to send me an extra copy that he had because, of course, he has an extra copy. But um, he, it, it was kind of like a time constraint, you know. I was like, i got to do this show in, like, two weeks, you know. I don't know if, if I'll get it in time. So, um, uh yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a really odd book, and uh, as far as like evidence goes towards Elvis having any connection with UFOs, all of it is very very sparse. <laughs> a lot yeah. of the book spends its time being just ufology 101 for the 80s, um, but it's still a pretty entertaining read. Yeah, I mean they cover things like the Pascagoula case and all, some of the Bud Hopkins cases and. It's very heavily based on hypnosis and abduction encounters. But, um, but I mean, just the fact that there's a book that exists called The Elvis UFO Connection, and it has kind of an Adamski-style saucer on the cover, uh, that was a book like I definitely needed to have in my library. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was, there was one Elvis UFO sighting in the book that was recounted by Sonny West, um, who was one of his, like, uh, one of the Memphis Mafia guys that was always around him. Uh, yeah. So he tells a story, and you can actually find clips on YouTube of him telling the story about Elvis seeing a flying saucer go by outside. <laughs> and then he, like, runs off, and then they have to go find him. And I guess they ended up finding him, like, farther away than he should have been. So, like, the uh, the implication was that, that he got picked up by a flying saucer, you know? and then dropped off, like, down the street. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that was that was my main interest with that show, was the NFL connection part of it. But I ended up going down all the other avenues as well uh, while I was yeah. struggling to find a copy of that book. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, there was also a bit in there about a mysterious blue light over his house in Tupelo where he was born. Um, oh, weird. Yeah, and another bit about how uh, Elvis's father, Jesse, Jesse uh, may have been, um, oh, wait, no, not Jesse, that was his brother. Um, was his name? Now I'm forgetting it. Uh, well, <laughs> he talked you can just about say Elvis' dad. Elvis's dad. <laughs> Elvis dad, Vernon Presley, Vernon. There you um, go. Yeah, he, <laughs> I guess, recounted at some point that, he was under something else's control the night Elvis was conceived. So the night Elvis was conceived, <laughs> right? Oh, weird. <laughs> Which means he must have told Elvis this at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Which had to have been psychologically damaging. I don't, I don't know about anybody else, but I know nothing about the night I was conceived, and I'm perfectly happy with that. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know anything about that either. Or the night I was conceived, nor the night you were conceived. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
nor do I even really know what day that was. You know, I could probably do the math, but I don't care. <laughs> so yeah, it's yeah. bizarre that there's this account of uh, Vernon being just like lifted up and down. <laughs> I don't know. Just oh, weird. Oh, jeez. Yeah, oh, God. Yeah, so it goes pretty yeah, now, now. yeah. Damn. <laughs> well, the what's interesting uh, saying it the other night, the it, the Elvis death hoax kind of like makes me yearn for to be around during that time because as Mickey was saying when he was on the show, it's like there were these zines and sh- I, I guess I just ha- am I'm I don't know what you'd call it, but like nostalgic for an era that I w- missed, um, right. w- which was like that zine era. I really wish I had been kind of around back then to experience that. Because um, it's just not the same as the internet. It's like a whole different kind of. I don't know. It's just like the, the the information was almost like more precious in a way because it, you had to wait for it to come in the fucking mail and shit, and it was like all uh, artisanal almost. You know, it was like handcrafted paranoia shit, paranormal shit, conspiracy right. stuff. Yeah, this is something that's been on my mind a lot lately because. Um... I'm a big fan of like the old flying saucer zines and stuff like that. And it's, it's mind blowing to me to think like, uh, Timothy Green Beckley was, was creating on his own when he was like a teenager in the sixties, like, yeah. <laughs> and mailing them out all over the place. And, uh, I'd like to see some of that come back. Like I've been trying to, I've talked to a few people here and there about the potential of maybe doing some kind of zine or newsletter that that's like a physical thing that can be mailed out. Um, and Liminal Earth, who I who I help out with, um, does a little bit of that. If you're if you're part of the club, uh, they send out periodic little little zine type things. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I think that's that's such a fascinating world that I I also missed out on, you know. So uh, yeah, I know Go Rightly's got like a big archive of those, doesn't he? He probably has some of those Elvis ones. He may. I have to ask him about the Elvis ones, but yeah, he was him and Greg uh, Bishop, and um, I don't know too many other people. Uh, I, like personally, I don't know too many other people who were sort of like uh, Ken Thomas. They were they were all kind of like in that in that zine scene, um, you know, before the internet came along and shit. But yeah, it's definitely. Yeah. Talk, talking to you right now, yeah, I, the, the thought does come to my mind. I was like, it would be really cool to launch, like, a zine in 2022. But who who knows, you know, that you, the idea sounds good to you. <laughs> so you got to mail out, like, four dozen zines, and it turns out it costs, like, fucking, you know, shitload of money to mail shit nowadays. Who knows? I don't know how much it costs to mail, how, how you even mail, you know, how you do that. So, but it would be it would be a cool thing to do, I think. Yeah, I'm definitely thinking about it. I mean, I'm looking into print-on-demand services and stuff like that because I'm very serious about making it happen. So <laughs> if any listeners want to collaborate on that, come find me on Twitter. So I know. Uh, there you go. Yeah, we well, you and I will have to talk yeah. uh, off the air about that because, yeah, I would, I would be happy to contribute to a to a hard copy zine. That would be cool as hell. Um, right. Yeah, it would be neat to have that kind of retroness to it too. Oh, absolutely. Because I I remember, like, as a kid, 
I don't even know what the mag. I want to say maybe it was Paranoia magazine, but like even when I was a kid, like they, like I would go to Tower Records. You remember Tower Records? Oh yeah, yep. And they had like a whole wall of magazines, but like they, there was only like two or three. You know, there was like UFO magazine and Paranoia magazine. There, there was not like there was. You know, there was like one tiny little section was like the magazine, like the the weird magazines part. And it was always like just one, two, or three magazines or something like that. So, right. um, but they were they were always like wicked fucking wild. I know what you mean about the Weekly World News. I wonder if that's kind of what got me into it because I was super. I loved fucking Weekly World News. So I wonder how many people. I wonder how many people that mag that 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 I guess newspaper and magazine or whatever like inadvertently got like mixed up in this shit just through the, just through the sheer fact that it was like at every. Newspaper, you know, every uh, grocery checkout, <laughs> like in the yeah. country. How many kids that were tugging on their moms and saying, "Could you buy me this?" <laughs> yeah, you know, like uh, that ended up taking it seriously later. Because I mean, I was already seriously interested um, in a lot of these subjects, and the Weekly World News was just like candy because I, I, I yeah. never took what was in it seriously. But um, but it was fun, you know. Bat Boy was great, you know. That stuff was, was amazing. <laughs> And I'm glad it's still around, you know. They're kind of making a comeback now. And um, I don't know. If anybody from Weekly World News is listening, uh, I'd love to write for you. So just hit me up. <laughs> it's one of my lifelong dreams is having a Weekly World News byline on my resume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder. I, I don't know what's going on with Weekly World News because I know it's – Ownership has changed hands a couple times, like in the last few years. So I don't know what they have a Twitter account. I know that, but other than that, I don't ever really see them doing anything other than merchandising Batboy and shit. God bless them. Um, no, they are. Yeah, but they're trying to bring it back in print too, and I think that's in the works. Like that's actually going to happen. So um, that would be awesome. There should be a print version available again. Uh, that was my understanding of it. So. I knew a guy that wrote for Weekly World News. Uh, I knew tangentially, um, but he's since passed away. I never got really a chance to talk to him about Weekly World News. It was sort of something I heard later. It was like, oh, shit, that guy, was, that guy wrote for Weekly World News? That's fucking crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah, because they didn't really give people bylines. They all had, like, these weird pseudonyms and stuff, or it was just, like, Weekly World News staff, you know. So, um even if it was anonymous, I'd still love to just write for him, you know. <laughs> I think it would be great. Yeah. Yeah, well, you could craft, like, a whole character, like... Ed Anger was one of them. Ed, Ed Anger was, like, one of the alleged writers for <laughs> Weekly World News. Yeah. right. Um, and Dottie. Ask Dottie. Yes, Dottie. Uh, yeah, wasn't she, like, a right. psychic or something like that? No, Dottie was, like, the Ann Landers of Weekly World News. Okay. Only she was All really right. mean, mean to everybody that asked her for advice. And um, there was yeah, this, like, it was so I think, absurd. Sabrina or Selena, something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah it was like the, the Mad Magazine memory of Paranormal. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, and uh, the guy that the guy that came up with the design, apparently actually died like a year or two ago. Yeah, I can't remember his name now, but man, he was an interesting character. <laughs> Reading about his life, um, so it just seemed like they were just a tight crew. And I guess actually, there's also a documentary 
I don't know if it's out yet or if it came out already, but um, it's a documentary about how, like, the Weekly World News started. So i got to track that down because I'd love to watch it. But, yeah, but, yeah it's a big inspiration for me. Um, and like I said, like I said with the Elvis stuff, it's kind of one of those things that toes the line between just complete and utter absurdity and uh, and some real subjects, you know. <laughs> so it kind of yeah. blurs those lines, and and uh, it's good for a laugh, but it also, in a way, it also kind of makes you think, you know. I mean, yeah, well, that boy was yeah, found exactly, in a West cause... Virginia canyon. Yeah, that, yeah. Where else boy... would you even see any any coverage about any weird shit? So it was like that was the only place you ever really saw. <laughs> I remember it was always like Atlantis. It was always like shit about Atlantis and like, yeah, and like Bigfoot. Um, yeah, yeah, it was, was awesome. Bigfoot's Love Slave. That was that was a classic. <laughs> yeah, there was always. Yeah, that was the other part that like. Yeah, it was always like. There was always sort of like one or two in each issue. There's sort of like one or two slightly like uh, titillating, um, like sex. It was like like you know, some kind of little like sexual part of it. You know what I mean? Where it was like there was always some little dirt, dirty. That's sort of, there's always like one or two stories that like took a dirty turn. Um, they were always like, yeah, like, like guy, this guy was kept as a slack slave for, <laughs> by Bigfoot for like six months and shit. It was like, what the fuck? What, what is this? This yeah. is crazy. Yeah. Oh man. Stuff. Yeah. Weekly world news, dude. Yeah. I know, uh, Aaron Gullius did a good, uh, he did a show on weekly world news, Saucer Life episode. So yeah, those, those, I, I haven't heard it in a long time for what I remember. Like it. I don't know necessarily Weekly World News. I think maybe at the beginning, definitely National Enquirer was like, they were kind of serious at first. Like they they started, they covered this shit like with some level of seriousness at first, and then I then they kind of went went really wacky and weird and shit. Especially Weekly World News. Yeah, I mean they covered like the Cash Landrum incident and um, did it pretty faithfully. They got the facts for the most part right, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, I think. Was it Leo Sprinkle was in the magazine sometimes? Like, that that was the guy they were talking to. Um, so they had legit people in there telling, you know, factual encounter, uh, accounts of stories that allegedly happened, you know. <laughs> it wasn't, yeah. wasn't made up whole cloth or anything like that, so. Yeah, yeah, that's the big contention with the Travis Walton story, that, like, they, you know, they ended up getting, like, five grand or something from National Enquirer for, uh, having like the best UFO story of the year or something like that. So right, it was right. there was certainly uh certainly coverage of, you know, quote unquote real events or at least yeah, a, a, a actual events. I don't know if we don't know what they're real or not, but actual right, things yeah. that happened, not not just uh not just love Bigfoot love slaves and shit. Yeah, it's hard to define reality in those terms. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. What I always liked was the idea that there was real stuff that was hidden in the Weekly World News, but they put all the other fake stuff around it so nobody would know. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that was the other thing. Yeah, that was, there was always, they always sort of like tied it into current events too, where it was always like, uh, the fucking alien, the, the aliens, whoever was like the predominant important public figure of the day, like the aliens was were meeting with, 
and it was right. always like this. So you could go by like I bet you you could go through the the Weekly World News archive and find like the alien meeting with like every president throughout the course of the publication of the of of the magazine. Like right. they were con- right. the aliens right. were constantly fucking <laughs> constantly <laughs> meeting with the president and shit. Yeah, I mean, I oh, man. there's a recurring character alien that always does. Um, I think he yeah, actually yeah. has a name in the article, so he's a recurring character. But <laughs> I think he had an affair with Hillary Clinton once, years ago. Yes! Yeah, 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 so yeah. about that. <laughs> yep, yep. So. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that got all prurient and shit. Um, yeah, Weekly World News. Good times, man. Good times, yeah. I'd like to get my hands on the final edition. I should look. I, I even. I think even ironically enough. I think. I want to say like if you if you look it up like on the cover of the final weekly world news it was like buy this now before it ends up on eBay, and it's like now that was probably like 20, 15, 20 years ago. Now it's like if I want to get a copy of the final weekly world news, it is on eBay. That's probably the, yeah. it was very prescient of them to fucking <laughs> put that on the cover because that's pretty much the only place you can get it now. Oh, I still have a copy of the second appearance of Bat Boy. The Bat Boy, the oh, Bat oh, nice. Escapes. I have a copy of that one. So, but. Yeah, it was, oh, Bat Boy. That was like, yeah. They must have, like, flipped out when they ran that. Like, they must have just been like, holy shit, we've got a hit on our hands. Like, we we sold more more issues than we have all year with this fucking Bat Boy thing. And then it was like, Bat Boy everything. It was fucking, Bat, Bat Boy was all in, in the, on the cover, like, every six weeks at least. It right, was like, right. holy shit. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Now, was, you know, he's... Right, go ahead. He was like a, a mascot for them, basically, after a point, you know? Oh, for sure, yeah. creation of theirs. Like they didn't make up Bigfoot or or aliens, but that boy was was very specifically like the world news. So it worked out for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they ended up like I think they ended up making a there was a Bat Boy musical and shit. It was like that big a big a thing, right? So it yep. was pretty yep. crazy, Bat Boy. Oh man. Yeah, I think now you can get like Bat Boy shirts and all kind like mugs and all kinds of shit. So. God, God bless. Yeah. I, I imagine that whoever came up with Bat Boy probably didn't see like <laughs> he probably didn't see a dime of that shit. He's just like you just he's like one of those one of those comic book writers or something. It's like dude, you came up with uh, as crazy as it sounds. Like this guy came up with like, an iconic character in the form of Bat Boy, and it's like <laughs> sort of like holy shit, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um. Well, he was actually a graphic designer. I think he was supposed to be making just like an alien, and then he ended up kind of turning it into a Bat Boy kind of character, and they built the character around the graphic he came up with. So um, it was kind of a it was a group effort. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I said, that guy died like two, three years ago. So um, if I knew we were going to talk about him, I would have looked it up again, but. <laughs> he was a very interesting character. <laughs> yeah, I'm on that. Uh, all right. Well, that sounds. Yeah, yeah. Zach Copley sent me the. Yeah, if you go to weeklyworldnews.com, it's it's still people can get kind of a feel for what it was like because they do have 
my only complaint about the New Weekly World News is that it's like a little, it's it 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 just goes a little too far over. I don't know. It's like the the old the old days when I remember seeing it was like it, it was just on the line of like absurd, where it was like just enough to kind of make you kind of go, wait, wait a minute, you know? But now they've really leaned into the absurd to the point where it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, come on, dude. What, really? Like, I'm looking at one here. It's like Kangoras Awakens, and it's like uh, they're making it, they're pretending like some kangaroo Godzilla thing is, like, running around Australia. And it's like, just, you know, just just try well, try I'm to make saying. it like, like, what's that? That's what I'm saying. They hire me on as a writer. They won't have that problem. You know, I, I know how to tow that line. <laughs> yeah. I think they've I been reading my it. mind anyway. I think they've been stealing my thoughts anyway, the Weekly World News. I've had a couple of occasions recently where I've made a joke about something, and I can actually document this, and then they've come up with it as a story like a week or two later. I'm psychically intuiting a story that they're pitching in a writer's room or they're stealing my thoughts and making stories out of them. So <laughs> they, who knows? They could be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They have uh, one here. Like this is, this is kind of what I'm talking about. They have one here. It's good. Like abominable beach man, hairless Hawaiian giant terrorizes local fishermen. That's, you know, that's kind of right perfect. where you want it. Where it's, yeah. Right. Where it's like, we, we're getting reports. Here's a drawing of this thing. But you're, you're like, is that true? Did, you know, I, like, that's kind of the ones I like the most. We're like, as a kid, now it's like, all right, that's bullshit. <laughs> but, but, but as a kid, you're like, I wonder if that's true. I wonder if people, <laughs> I wonder if, like, yeah. that, like, if the small family of fishermen in Hawaii have really encountered some fucking creature down there. And it's like, that's crazy. <laughs> that's, the kind of, that's the kind of shit I like. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, now on your you got a you got a blog, so you do a little bit of writing on this blog. Uh, it's apstrange dot com, right? Yep, yep. All right, and uh, the your name on Twitter. I didn't plug it here, so but it's uh, I worry I worry about my dear listeners because I don't know if I could do this right. So it's a prodigi oh Jesus a prodigiosis. So a p r o d i g i o s u s. So just yeah. just punch in AP Strange, folks, and you'll be able to uh, you'll be able to find it. So you got a blog post on Fortean frogs, uh, which I found really interesting. I really what I what I like about you, Matt, is you have uh, it's kind of a throwback in a way to, and I mentioned this at the end of last week's episode too. Um, it's like if I could take this little chunk that we've done this month uh, since we had Zelia Edgar on, it's like. This whole sort of last few episodes has been sort of a celebration of sort of uh, retro weird in a way, mm-hmm. and that's what I like about you. You're you're into the retro weird as uh, as well, so it's uh, you can kind of feel you can kind of fit that. So what's the what's what's your what's your what, what are you writing about on the blog with regards to fourteen frogs? Okay, well. So that one was the more recent one, but it was actually, I had actually started writing that maybe four years ago, and my computer crashed. Oh, wow. I just, like, got disgusted and left it alone. 
<laughs> and I decided to revisit the idea and just pare it down and, and be a little bit more um, philosophical and surface level with it. But um, it's just basically the idea that, like, in addition to all the weird stuff I really love, like, I love comedy, I love cartoons. And I think that uh, Fortiana and High Strangeness, was, as it, you know, that's one of those things everybody loves. Like, Zelia had plenty of great, great High Strangeness stories that she talked about when she was on the show. And um, there, there, there are those among us that really just want that. We want the highly strange stuff. <laughs> right, um, yes, me too. And when, when, it, when, it, when it appears, sometimes it's like it's so absurd, like... Um, that, that nobody would want to take it seriously, but but if you do take it seriously, I think that there's there's uh, little lessons to be learned there. So I, yeah. I always thought of tune some froggy evening with Michigan J Frog, the dancing and singing frog that was found in the time capsule, to be like a, a really great um, metaphor for dealing with high strangeness, <laughs> because you have a guy that you know the when he when he finds something anomalous and weird. Um, He's surprised by it, but his first thought is like, let's make a buck off this. You know, how can I exploit this and make money? <laughs> and, you know, we, <laughs> see plenty, we see plenty of that in various fields. It's like, like I always like to joke with you, a lot of people are after those big UFO dollars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm still waiting for my big UFO dollars to come pouring in. <laughs> but, uh, um, but yeah, and then he goes through the whole range of emotion with it, uh, up to and including, you know, being locked away in a nut house, you know. Um, so I, I really just kind of wanted to outline that. And of course, you know, frogs have a pretty prominent place in in Fortiana anyway. Like when you go back to Charles Fort, he he documented cases of frogs raining down out of the sky, as well as yeah. you know plenty of other things, fish blood, all kinds of stuff. Um, and uh, <clears throat> I get into a few examples in that post, but moreover, it was more kind of a, a, a philosophical take on, on what it means to encounter high strangeness and um, and uh, how, how best you can deal with it. And I, I think, you know, having a sense of humor about these subjects certainly helps. In most cases. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's as you you know me well, so you know that's kind of my <laughs> that's my right. raison d'etre. Right. So yeah. uh, I don't take any of this shit seriously. Um, you know, so it's yeah, and and most of my friends, uh, like my closest friends, so you know, we all kind of laugh about it. So it's like the people. That's that's kind of I guess I wouldn't even like. I wouldn't even criticize people. It's more like it just makes me sad. Like it makes me like disappointed. Like the people that take it so seriously that have no sense of yeah. humor about it. That are like this is this is serious. This is serious. Why are you why are you laughing about it? Why are you making a joke about it? Why why you know, why are you celebrating the absurdity about it? This is serious business. It's like, "Oh, no, dude. You don't get it." Like you don't get it at all. <laughs> you think I don't get it, but <laughs> but you're the one who doesn't right. get it because cause this is fucking absurd weirdness. It's it's like weird. It's it's fucking weird. Oh, yeah, man. I mean any one of 
any one of like the uh, many myriad paths you can go down with any of these subjects is going to only hurt you if you think you're going to take it very seriously <laughs> and have have very firm parameters of what you believe and what you don't. You know, um, I think it's the, you know that way lies madness. So you can you can beat madness to the punch by being a little bit a little bit silly, kooky, and and um, and having a sense of humor about it. Ahead of time, <laughs> before yeah. before it gets to you, you know, because I mean that's really I think I, I think you and I come from much the same places when you see people uh, taking it so seriously and being so invested. Um, you really just kind of want to like lessen that punch when it comes. <laughs> like, like okay, you're looking forward to this report from the government. We just want to let you know right now, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to be right. very different afterward. <laughs> After that report comes out, as long as you know, no, dude, shut the fuck up. You know, like you're you're stopping it from happening by saying that. You know, it's almost yeah, like, yeah. Um, <laughs> like uh, you're against the cause. Like you're a hater. You know, the, I've I've gotten all of this online before, and uh, yeah, and I'm like, oh, I'm just I'm just trying to. Trying to save you some heartbreak, my friend. <laughs> a lot of us have been there before, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's interesting. You and I, we we swim in a lot of the same circles on Twitter and shit. And it's very, uh, yeah, we've kind of observed a lot of the same trends and behavior and shit. It's, there's certainly, what fascinates me, I wish someone would do like a survey on it, Um would I, I would because it just seems like there's this whole new generation of of uh, well I'll call them UAP buffs who got into this after that New York Times article and that like I've seen them say it where it's like I wasn't really into this until I read that New York Times article it's so it was not really for all the faults in that article and there are they are legion um, you know that really was sort of this weird watershed. Thing that got a lot of people hooked on this. Uh, I'm still really surprised by that. You know, it was a really weird kind of turn of events. Uh, maybe as we come up on the fifth anniversary in December, we'll there'll be some reflection on that. But it, it yeah, and and those right. are the people who, like, I see myself in them because when I got into this in oh God in 2003, I got interested in it. In 2005, I was uh, I started becoming active in the field. Um, you know, I was hearing. I, you know, I kind of had that mindset. I had that kind of mindset where it was like, this is the most important story in the history of the world, and you know, we need to take this seriously and shit. And as you get older and you're in this longer and shit, it's like, is it? <laughs> is it? Is it really the most important story in the history of the world? Because <laughs> I've been I've been following this story for. 20 years and nothing's happened. It's like, what kind yeah. of fucking, how is this the biggest story in the history of the world if if, if it hasn't changed in 20 years? You know, like, yeah, come remember, on, dude. I remember seeing somebody online and it just kind of like, it tickled me, but it also kind of broke my heart a little bit at the same time because he was like, I don't know how you guys do it. I've been way into this stuff all the time for a year now. And I'm so sick of like things not turning out the way they say it's gonna. It's like a You better than one year. Okay, well that explains a lot, you know. <laughs> yeah, prepare for more of the same, or just 
just dive in and 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 uh, let soak up the weirdness, you know, like just enjoy it. <laughs> you don't have to be a UAP disclosure warrior, you know. Um, and th- that's yeah. the part that worries me is when when you get into the warrior aspect of it, the warrior mentality. Um, and and it is there as much as a lot of people try to deny it. There's there's definitely a thread of of people that are very aggressive about about the truth coming out, you know? And, uh, I I think that teeters on very dangerous territory. Um, I think language is very important. The words, the words you choose to use and how you characterize your ideology are, uh, you know, tantamount to, to, um, being complicit in acts of violence. If you're talking, using violent language, you know? (laughs) So I I I agree with that. that. Yeah. Those are the only people I've been very against, you know. But yeah, then yeah. I get myself well, I, in trouble. I, I totally. <laughs> well, I'll give you credit. You, you, uh, you know, you take it to some of these folks on there. So uh, I, I don't have the stomach for online fighting, really. So I don't, I don't do it. Um, but yeah, it's. I totally agree with you. It's uh, there's a militancy that I'd never seen that wasn't around before. Which is another interesting well, sort of thing, right? Because it's the antithesis of what we grew up with, right? You know, like for our age group, it was that we can't trust the government. We need to force them to release these documents and or or admit this or admit that. And even if they do, they're probably lying, right? And and now the government insiders and ex spooks are the good guys that always tell the truth to these people, right? And we right, have to trust right, them right. because they're from the government. <laughs> it's well, just, what, uh, what, topsy-turvy. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what a lot of us old timers, yeah. Uh and I, I think like, yeah, you're 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 an old timer too at this point. It's like, yeah, it's uh that's that's the weirdest part where it was like, No, no, the gov we we're against the government. What are you guys talking about? We're this but what what troubles me in a lot of ways is like and I'm sure there were people who got, like, super pissed off back in the day and shit. But it was like there's more of a militancy, too, against not the, the quote-unquote, like, non-believer or the debunker or the skeptic. And it's like uh, what, somebody on Twitter, I don't want to get into it, but somebody on Twitter posted, like, uh, you know, it, it, was, it was violent rhetoric toward debunkers and shit. And it was like the fucking the debunkers are <laughs> – they're your best – like if they're if they're coming at it with a, on an honest level, they're they're your allies, dude. Like they're trying to help you separate the wheat from the chaff and shit. Like Mick West is, like I don't give a fuck. These people who hate Mick West, it's like Mick West is the best fucking person. Is, is probably one of the best people in ufology. <laughs> like he's he's helping you, for, keeping you from wasting your fucking time on shit that isn't real. Like right. like that should he should be celebrated. Like that's that's the that's what the UFO research is supposed to be. Like, okay, what is this thing? Let's figure it out. Is it this or that? Not just oh, we don't know we don't know what it is, and don't don't try and figure it out. Right. I mean, when you want somebody that has some expertise analyzing photos or uh, video, doing that kind of stuff, you know, because <laughs> I don't I don't know what I'm looking at, you know. I exactly. Have to defer to somebody else's judgment. So. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, like, 
it, that's the, that's the whole thing. It's not even skeptics versus believers at this point. It's it's um, uh, <clears throat> it, it's you know people with a very very set in cognitive bias against everybody that's not on their team. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's very um, tribal. It's very tribal, and and they have an inflated sense of their own importance too, um, which is really funny to me because it's maybe. Oh yeah. Can't be can't be that many people. It's like a drop in the bucket of the American population or world population for that matter. And it's like they they act like they're forced to be reckoned with. So. Right. Yeah. 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 I uh, I totally yeah. I read somewhere that like something like fucking it for those of us who are on Twitter it seems like it's the whole world but it's like. I read somewhere that it's like 10% of Americans are on Twitter or something like that. And then if you now boil it down to, like, UFO Twitter, it's not even 1% of Americans. It's like like a fraction right. of that. It's it's like 2,000 people. <laughs> it's like maybe at yeah. most. Right. So, but, at least but, 100 uh, of but them are bots or alternate accounts. So. <laughs> yep, yep, yeah, yeah. But if you're I, – I, that's yeah. That's why I try. If I was going to advise anyone, and I almost guarantee that like there's nobody from who would consider themselves a part of UFO Twitter listening, because I've I've thrown elbows at uh, that community on here plenty of times. But it'll be like, look at my advice would be like you can follow. I would I would suggest people just follow it, but do not like when you find when you fucking. When you come to the point where you feel like you're a part of that community, stop and get the fuck out. Like stop yeah. and pull back because as soon as you're right. as soon as you consider yourself a member of a community in this weirdness, uh, you know you got to kind of fu- at least you got you got to make up you know check yourself and make sure you're right. not uh, getting in too deep. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's why I like you know what what you referred to earlier and what I often refer to as weird Twitter. Because it's not all that well defined. It's just whoever's <laughs> on Twitter that's into weird stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. So there's no agenda there. It's just a bunch of us freaking weirdos hanging out on there, posting weird stuff all day. So <laughs> yeah, swapping weird stories and shit. Yeah, that's like different. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and it goes to like you were saying, there's like an uh, an inflated sense of self or something with. Uh, some of these communities where it's like also people I get maybe some of them realize this but it's like look if UFO Twitter is a big thing sure right but it's like go fucking try like dip a toe into fucking I don't know the Green Bay Packers Twitter or or uh, or shit fucking like QAnon or any that's like like those those are huge communities you know so it's all it's all these bubbles it's all these bubbles, and the UFO Twitter bubble is not very big. Right. I am worried about the overlap, though, because, I mean, you mentioned QAnon, and I was I was going to say earlier, where you have that kind of ideological flip-flop in UFO Twitter and disclosure, where now we're supposed to trust people because they worked for the government, where before we used to not trust people that worked for the government. <laughs> Um, right. The conspiracy theory has gone the same way, you know, where all the stuff that Bill Cooper, who is, 
you know, uh, probably one of the biggest figures in my lifetime as, as like a terrible influence on, on conspiracy theories. Um, all the stuff he was warning people about, these people want it to happen now, you know? You're yeah. talking about turning, turning places into concentration camps and the government's going to corral us in there because they want to take away our liberties. And QAnon these days is like, we need to build concentration camps and draw all these people in <laughs> like they want yeah. it. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. A, it's, it's a flip-flop, you know? Scary. It's scary. It's really scary. And that's when I started getting really worried is like, seeing all these old recycled ideas put into the minds of people that have really no deductive reasoning at all. And just, just, uh, um, putting it all together and, and making it sound like it's a good thing for them. (laughs) All the stuff that the tinfoil hats that used to be worried about now is a good thing to the same kinds of, uh, fringe minds of today. Um, yeah. So it's bizarre, really bizarre stuff, and scary. Yeah, it definitely is scary. Cause yeah, when I was not to get too deep into politics, but yeah, when I was growing up, it was like people disagreed about ideas, but there was never uh, there was never any sense of like if we just wiped out the other side, like they're you know they're right. they're I'm fucking they're demons and evil and shit. It was never like these other the other side's evil. It was just like they're fucking wrong. They're just wrong right. about how best to handle, you know, income tax or immigration or whatever. Now it's like, you fucking hate America and we need to round you up. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Shit, this yeah, is scary. It is scary. And then people want to act like you're exaggerating when you compare it to 1930s Germany. But like, <laughs> but that's what they were doing back then. And people just said, well, maybe it'll blow over, you know. So. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, we'll move just deep down the politics. Yeah, I was just going to say, we're going to move into something else before. Can I talk about phantom clowns? We haven't talked about clowns in a long time. We haven't (laughs) talked about clowns. You're a clown aficionado like me. So, yeah, and I don't think we've ever, I think Lauren and I have talked about, of course, Lauren and I have talked about clowns. Lauren, he's like the keeper of the clowns. What? what, He's got the whole clown scale. Oh, yeah. The clown encounter (laughs) scale. The like clown scale. The right, yeah. Well, what do you think? Yeah. I'm disappointed with the clowns because... I, I know, well, where I, the hell have they been? I, cause so I, dude, even... I fucking... By the nature of my job, I, I, look, for, I look for clowns every day. <laughs> I, I literally look for clowns every day to see if they're up to anything. And they haven't been up to shit in months, you know. And maybe a couple times a year they'll do something, clowns. But right. It's weird. It is. It's totally weird because we had we had a whole clown watch going. We started a hashtag, like hashtag yeah. clown watch twenty twenty, and we were finding them back then. But uh, yeah, they, they've been real quiet the last couple of years. So I, I don't know what that's all about. Maybe it's a good thing. I'm sure a lot of people are grateful for that. <laughs> but well, yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe, maybe you and I just did too good a job being clown locks, you know, and they're they're intimidated if they don't want to come out anymore. I don't know. Keeping an eye on the clowns. Well, the thing is, it changed. I think you'll agree. Like, it changed. I don't know. They, they used to be more, like, uh, as when Lauren first kind of started talking about them, like, in the 80s and shit, when the first big wave happened, they were phantom clowns. They were like, 
phantoms. They were like ghostly and, and sort of popped up and vanished and shit, and people saw them. And I have a friend, God rest his soul, he has passed away now. He had a tattoo of a fucking clown with it, chomping on a cigar on his arm. And, like, he was, he he liked to spin a good yarn. Let's put it that way. God bless him. Yeah. And so I never quite, and I think if I asked his brother, I'm sure it came up, but his brother, like, you know, his his brother was like, no, no, this is, that's a true story. But it's like, ah, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but he insisted, like, there's a reservoir in our town. They were at the reservoir when they were kids, and they were like, go, they go around the corner, and there was a fucking phantom clown. There was a clown, and he was chomping on a cigar. And it so traumatized him that he ended up getting a tattoo. Wow. Yeah, I I mean, well, you're not too far from uh, where the sightings were. I mean, it was in the Boston, greater Boston area originally. That was the first sighting. So, but, uh, yeah, no, that's pretty compelling. Yeah, I'll, i got to ask his brother about it next time I talk to him uh, to see if he remembers the story at all. Um, but, yeah, so that's my disappointment with the clowns, that they're not really doing anything. They're not being phantoms anymore. That's it. That's it. They're not being phantoms anymore. It's it's definitely moved more into, like, criminal criminality. It's like more often than not, you get a clown story, it's connected to someone who did something. Like, we know who it was. It was some ne'er-do-well, and they fucking put on a clown mask and robbed a bank, or there was a great story at the end of the year about the guy who, like, drove the limo onto the onto the airport in, in Vegas who wanted to hijack a plane to fly to Area 51. Oh, he was yeah. doing it all on a clown mask. It was like, that, that was, that was so like weird. one of the greatest stories. Yeah. Um, yes. So, yeah, we, 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 we don't want the clown to be too... Militant. Now, uh, let me ask you about this, because I can speak to this for sure, because you and I went out there to check it out. Uh, America's Stonehenge. For the people who don't know what this is, um, I'll give you a thumbnail. It's, it's, I want to say it's a little bit kitschy. It's got a slight edge of kitschiness to it. It's kind of like it's a stone rock sort of like monumenty type place. Um, it, it seems like giant rock ruins. There's, uh, it's sort of an apocryphal urban legend. I don't know how you'd describe it. Maybe you can flesh this out after I finish this, this ramble, but it's sort of like they, they make it out to be like, this could be ancient and significant. And it is, it does seem to align with, um, celestial stuff which is why it's called America's Stonehenge. Um, so there's a certain uh, esoteric underpinning to this place. But at the same time, it's like this could also be, and we think maybe it was a colonial root cellar. So it's like, oh, maybe <laughs> maybe, maybe right. this isn't Druid. Maybe this is uh, from some Puritan guy. Um, but it's in, it's in uh, Salem, New Hampshire, and anyone who's in the New England area or even outside there and who wants to <coughs> check out, you know, something strange, I would almost call it, it – it, they call it America's Stonehenge. I would almost call it like uh, – it would be akin to like New England's Coral Castle. It's, uh, it's sort of like yeah. a, a weird site that people can check out. And uh, Matt and I went and visited there um, on Labor Day last, last – Labor, this past Labor Day. So, I mean – 
what do you what's your take on it? I mean, I don't really have I mean, I'm probably like more leaning on the root cellar part, but the celestial part kind of makes me think, okay, maybe there's more to this than I than I uh you know, maybe there's more to it than I'm willing to give by just saying it's a root cellar. So I'm kind of like uh I just see it as sort of like a weird, mysterious place in a way. Um, but, I mean, what, what's your take on it? Was that the first time you've been to America's Stonehenge? It was, and that, which was very weird to me because I've been all over New England, and um, my family used to go camping every summer, and we'd go to different areas, and it seems like the kind of place that my folks would have brought me to. <laughs> but I don't think I had <laughs> ever been there until we went together. Um, yeah, I mean, the impression I get is that it's probably a mix of of uh, indigenous people had had built up some of it, and then later, where it was used by settlers for for other things and added on to. Um, it's kind that of funny sense. that yeah. there there is no like uh, real archaeological study of it. Like they haven't, they basically won't let them, to my understanding, like do a good survey of it, and uh, or they're in, that's in the works maybe. But it's weird that we don't know more about it, and I think they kind of perpetuate the mystery to keep it like a mysterious site. Um, yes. But, uh, you know, that makes it kind of, like you said, it's kind of that hokey roadside attraction kind of feel to it. They have like a gift shop and everything, and like a little room where you could watch the educational video on it. <laughs> um so it, it's a cool place. I mean, the stone chamber I thought was the coolest thing in the whole place. Like that, yeah, like that's, you the high, some, that's definitely yeah. the that's that's the highlight of the whole the whole place. Yeah, the stone chamber. Um, yeah. And for people who don't get what that is, and the, and the the stone chamber is like a little, it's a chamber made of like giant slabs of stone. Um, and the crazy part uh, that Matt ex- and I experienced uh, when we went there is I had been to America Stone. I have been to America Stonehenge probably five or six times. Like any time. Someone from outside the area comes to visit. It's always like that's on the top of my list, uh, you know, of places to take them. Because it's to me, in a way, it's like the perfect esoteric attraction in a way. Because like you can take somebody to Salem, but it's like an, a Salem Mass. But it's like it, it's like an overwhelming sense. Like you're, you're, this is too much. There's too much going on in Salem to really show someone, give someone the experience. But America's Stonehenge is like this serene. Uh, you know, the deep in the rooted esoteric sort of like weirdness uh, to it. Um, I think I, I, shit, I lost my train of thought now, but America's Stonehenge is, is I like what you're saying, how it no, was probably built the up. Stone Chamber. Oh, the Stone Chamber. Oh, so we went, yeah, right. thank you so much. All right, so when we went, I've been there four or five, six times. I, there's a hole, this is hard for me to really explain, uh, but there's a hole in the Stone Chamber wall that you can, like, shout out and look out into the outside thing. And I always was just like, that's really neat. And then when Matt and I went, now, again, this is like the fifth time I've been there. never made this connection. Outside of the stone chamber is uh, a huge stone slab that looks like a table, essentially, and they call it the altar. And the little hole where you can shout out from the chamber is down under the the – the the altar, so it's like right. you have to imagine somebody could be on the thing, someone could be lying on this thing, on this tablet, essentially this stone tablet, 
And if you were there, you would hear voices coming out from under the fucking tablet. Uh, and those were the people inside the chamber. So to me, yeah, that's no matter who built it, it's so fucking cool. It is, it is really cool. And the fact that I had yeah. never put that together blew me away. It was like, oh, shit, this is, you know, there's no matter every time you go, you find something new at that place. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's all a matter of how you look at it. And what I didn't realize about it was how high an elevation it is. Because if you go beyond all that stuff and up the hill a little bit, there's like that big field and you're just looking out over mountains. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the surrounding area. So um, that would be an awesome place. I know we were talking about it that day to like camp out. I don't know if they'd let you, but um, just to camp out and see if you see anything in the sky at night. And even if you didn't, I mean, it would be a cool place to camp. Yeah. We gotta spread this stuff around. Let's put it on the internet. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Great heavens. What kind of radio show is this? I tell you what, you know what we'll do? You and I, after we. Yeah, after we, uh. After we do this show, like in the springtime, we should try and talk to the people. I bet the, the concern, I think we talked about this off the air, but it's not. You know, it's it's not like it's common sense, I suppose. But it's like the concern is like if we asked them, if we were like, hey, we want to come to America Stonehenge and have like a camp out right in that spot where we're not going to fuck with your shit. We're not going to, you know, we're going to be off in this field. We're just going to be at this location, you know. But I still think right. they'd be like 10 grand or something insane, <laughs> something insane yeah, like that. Would. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, or or even or even like a grand. I mean, fucking. Let's be honest. If it was like three or four of us, I'm not. I don't really want to shell out 250 bucks to, <laughs> to well, camp we'll in America's Stonehenge for the night. Yeah, we'll just tell them that the the we're making a documentary or something, and then we're gonna it's gonna well, charge us double. Let's see. Oh well. Um, um, but yeah, no. That's, but yeah, that you was, just uh, what if they would be a really cool place to camp out. Well, we'll, we'll we should contact them uh, sometime this spring. It, it couldn't hurt, you know. Maybe they'd be like, "Yeah, hundred bucks." They'd be like, "Oh shit, we should, we could we could have been camping out here every weekend." Um, right. But yeah, that it was. It's a cool place. It's an interesting place. You you nailed it with by calling it a roadside attraction. That's really what. Uh, that's the kitschiness I was trying to get across. It's uh, it was on in search of. So if you if you if you can't appreciate that, uh, you know, yeah, it's got a place in what 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 I like about it too. Again, it's like I don't want to be cruel because uh, it's right in my backyard. I have a lot of I sort of have an emotional attachment to it. I I do love the place, but I also find the absurdity of it delightful. And it is when you hear America's Stonehenge, you're like. Oh wow, this must be like ancient and shit. And it's like, no, it really only came around like in the fifties or something. Like the right. history of America, like it just popped up where the the dude who owns it now, his dad, like found all these stones and shit, and it became a thing. He he made he he declared it America's Stonehenge or something, like in the fifties right. or sixties or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said yeah. earlier. He's- never really allowed people to do like an academic survey of it or an archaeological survey. So who knows, you know, um, who knows what's actually going on there. But, um, but yeah, it is, it's fun. And I, I'm a huge fan of, 
of roadside attractions of all kinds, you know, like going on little trips and just finding that quirky, weird shit off, uh, you know, um, along oh, yeah. the way. It's, it, that, that stuff, that stuff is always, uh, it's, it's a blast whether or not it's, I love the hokey stuff too. I mean, it's just can't be good fun, you know? So, yeah. Uh, Jason Baruti in the chat says, tell no one, sneak out there after dark. I got some news for you, Baruti. What people may not know is like a, a, like four years ago or so, uh, this throws back to what Matt and I were talking about earlier, uh, some whacked out QAnon person did break into America's Stone Engine, like carved uh, one of the QAnon slogans into the rocks and shit. So the last thing I would do, uh, is try and sneak into America's Stonehenge now because you <laughs> you may get shot. Right. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what would happen. Probably at least installed cameras, you know, so we, we get in trouble. Oh, definitely yeah. cameras and shit. Yeah, right. definitely cameras and yeah, probably like silent alarms and shit, and you know, then you're dealing with cops so and God we're... knows what. So yeah. So if we're gonna plot a heist, yeah. we should do it elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not on a. <laughs> Definitely not on a podcast either. Yeah. Oh man, that's that. Those are the kind of things you do when you're a teenager because you. <laughs> cause, yeah, I'm like, cause, I, don't, I can't run these days. Are you kidding me? I wouldn't be able to run away. <laughs> run and hop a fence. Yeah. I, 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 you know, that's that's a young man's game. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And it's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you don't have the money to pay for like juvie and shit, so your parents pay for it. That's that's people don't, re- don't realize that's that's half the that's half of why it's a good thing to get in trouble if you're a teenager because it's like you're not paying for a fucking lawyer, your parents aren't shit. So nowadays yeah. like I get busted I get busted breaking into America's Stonehenge. It's like, all right, now I got to fucking hire a lawyer and <laughs> and go to court and court costs and Yeah. <laughs> So, oh man, America's Stonehenge. I highly recommend it for people uh, who come to the area and check it out. Uh, now, you told me you were doing a deep dive into the Ashtar Command broadcast interruption. So it sounds like this is kind of on your mind lately. So what's? I'm vaguely familiar with Ash, the Ashtar story, um, but it sounds like it's kind of captured your imagination lately. So tell me, uh, give me a little rundown on this Ashtar story. Uh, for the folks listening, and, and what is it about? I guess what is it about the story that that, that really took root in your mind? Uh, well, uh, this is—it's probably been my longest-running uh, um, area of interest because, uh, you know, like like we were talking about earlier, I just kind of got online one day and said I'm going to start talking about all the weird shit that I love, you know. Um, after a while, I was just kind of thinking, I need one good story to really just kind of sink into. And uh, this one this one came on my radar. And <clears throat> it had elements about it that, that are just great things that I really love. Uh, just imagine you're watching the nightly news and you live south of London. And uh, all of a sudden, the, the TV cuts out and a voice comes over the, the news broadcast and drowns it out. And says, uh, you know, this is the voice of Rilan from Ashtar Galactic Command, you know, <laughs> and starts talking to you about uh, from a flying saucer, basically. 
about um, uh, about all the harm you're doing to the earth. Uh, to me, that's just kind of like I try to put myself in that spot and imagine what that would have felt like because it seems like something out of out of like a TV science fiction, you know, it was something that would happen on a Doctor Who episode or something like that. Yeah. And, uh, I think, it, but it also just kind of reminds me of like uh, the Outer Limits. Remember the, the beginning of the Outer Limits? It's like we've taken Vaguely, control yeah, of yeah. the broadcast. That, that was oh, yeah, yeah, we yeah. control the broadcast. We control the vertical and the horizontal. Um, just that idea of somebody else taking control. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's it's fascinating and thrilling in, in a lot of different ways. But the compelling thing about that story is that nobody's ever come forward and nobody was ever caught for having hoaxed it, and it's universally considered a hoax by just about everybody. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. Because nobody wants to believe it was actually a space brother on a flying saucer, right? Um and and the contents of the message are are so new agey and uh you know it actually talks about the age of aquarius and all that um and so so related to that kind of well in the milieu of what ashtar was you know ashtar came out of george van tassel and a lot of the contact he's a giant rock uh there was a long tradition of that name already um so it's it's an example of a story that's like kind of too ridiculous to not look at it more, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and what compelled me the most about it is that a good friend of mine, um, Steve Steve Mills, was you know he actually saw the broadcast when it happened, and he was oh, wow. just beginning. He was he was beginning to um, investigate UFOs. And uh, under under the tutelage of a guy named Rick Stutter, who was relatively well known back then in some circles, he was a theosophist and a ufologist, and had written a couple books on the subject. Um, and and they were kind of investigating it together. So the larger story for me has to do with him and and Rex and their story, because. Um, yeah, that incident on its own, there's only so far you can go with it. But when you when you uh, tie it back to <clears throat> Steve's mentor Rex, he had actually had a, a, a situation at a radio station in 1971 where somebody reportedly called from a flying saucer to the radio station and, and <laughs> oh, wow. took took over their um, phone panel. Um. And so, like, there was basically, like, a back-and-forth interview with an alien on the radio station itself. Uh, and that's documented in one of his books, Flying Saucer Message. It becomes this bigger story about about the two of them and the investigation and the uh, the actual incident in 1977 and the incident in 1971 and kind of everything in between. So it's something yeah. I've just been on and off like following different trails with for over the course of the last three or four years. <laughs> um, and at this point it's like probably, probably the only thing I can do is write a book about it eventually. But yeah. Um, Has anyone, now you said no one's come forward. Or is, that, is there any theories about who might've done the broadcast interruption aside from yeah, there's aliens? A, there's a lot of them. Um, because, uh, and that's where it gets kind of controversial because 
the story was that there were a few students in Hampshire that were um, caught and dealt with, is what, what people were told, and it was in the news. But those ah. those leads were, were followed and didn't pan out to anything. So it was kind of almost like it was a cover story. Somebody right, right. said they caught somebody. And there was no arrest record, and nobody knows anything about it. That was just one news outlet reporting that that had happened, you know? Yeah. Um, nobody's ever come forward and claimed, uh, you know, claimed to have done it, except there was one, uh, what's that? What's the, There's like a Twitter account where people can just admit stuff that they, uh, uh, oh, what's that I, called? There's, there's a few different type of outlets like that. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah, uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's sort of a thing, yeah, a confessional, an anonymous confessional online situation, but with Twitter. Okay, yeah. And right, someone right. came on there and said they did it? Yeah, and they said it was like an inside job. They were just like, you know, me and my mates were just uh, taking the piss one night and decided to do this, you know. But uh, yeah. the, the, it doesn't add up either because it couldn't have been an inside job. It affected a whole bunch of different radio transmitters and stuff like that. And it was kind of checked up on. I mean, the thing is with Rex, when he was investigating it, he had a lot of high-profile connections. Um, he had served in the military in World War II as uh, a special operations executive, um, doing kind of like reconnaissance stuff. And he also operated, you know, this is where it gets really weird, he operated a... Uh, a shop for with aquarium uh, aquarium setup and uh, fish supplies and was like the foremost fish doctor in the world. Like he was a fish surgeon, basically. Oh wow! Um, what that means, though, is that all of the richest people in the world that had exotic fish would go to him for advice. So <laughs> he had he had all these crazy connections all over the place. Um, Weird. Uh, up to and including like the eighth Earl of Clan Cardi, um, Brinsley Brins, Lepore Trench, who was, you know, very prominent in uh, British ethology from the fifties through the seventies, you know. So yeah. um yeah, so I mean if anybody could get information and investigate stuff like he had he had the poll, you know. And a lot right, of these right. stories were were followed up on and, you know, shown to be bunk. <laughs> so um, as far as what I actually think, like we have a couple of operating theories about who could have been responsible for the message itself, but um, um, it could have been <clears throat> one of the more compelling ones. I think is it could have been the British government themselves running a test to test the readiness of of um, the TV network because ah. it wasn't the government. It wasn't the government backed BBC. It was an independent TV network, ITV. So for them, for, you know, the British government to do that to their own transmitters of an independent TV station to test the readiness of it and then just pretend they didn't know anything about it. <laughs> um, because there was a whole lot of that going on in the 70s, um, messing with the Russians and different parts of the world, trying to overpower transmitters and, you know, pour propaganda into them or disruption. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it could have been, yeah, like a test to see, I don't know what you'd call it, like, you you want to test the the takeover technology, so to speak. So it's like, 
all right, we think we think we have a way we could just sort of take over the TV stations in Moscow, but we don't know for sure. So let's we're going to do a test, you know, here in Britain. Right. And what what would you know what would be the best? What should we do with it? You know, we can't. We don't want to tell people fucking that, that we launched a nuclear weapon or something. So aliens, we'll go with. We'll say we're aliens, and then we'll tell everybody that it was some pranksters that did it. Right. Right. Or or they had the technology that Moscow had at the time, and we're like, let's try this on ITV and see if they're prepared for it. You know? <laughs> you know oh, yeah, it could be to test the defense. Yeah. Right. So um, uh, that's like a really plausible theory as far as, as, far as I'm concerned. Um, because the, the, the most common one is that somebody overpowered one, the main transmitter, South of London, which then transmitted signal to the others, and um, the idea is that you could do it very cheaply with a limited amount of uh, equipment. But um, in, you know, so that's not being a, a very technical guy. I can't really say either way, but it's, it seems like you it would require a massive power supply to do that. You know. Um, the way it's described as uh, as a way of kind of hand waving and saying it could have just been some kid with a uh, with like a ham radio and a bunch of batteries tied together, you know. Right, right. Um, because the, the other weird part about it is that the people at ITV had no idea that the broadcast had been taken over, so it wasn't showing up on their monitors. What they were seeing on their monitors was the news broadcast as normal. So. Oh, weird. That's a neat trick to pull <laughs> just, just by overpowering a few transmitters, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. That does make you think. That does make me think more that it's even more like uh, a test of some kind of like technology, you know, for some kind of government technology, I guess is the best way to put it. Because, like, if you were going to fuck with the Russians or someone else, like, that you. <laughs> You would want to catch these people off guard, so they wouldn't. The people who were running the broadcast wouldn't know that their broadcast had been taken over. You know what I mean? That makes yeah. that makes it even more sound like some kind of uh, earthly shenanigans. Yeah, yeah, it's not something somebody could have done by flipping a switch inside the TV station. You know? Uh, mm-hmm. so, <laughs> yeah, so it's a very compelling story. There's a lot of weird little twists and turns in it, and it's something that I always seem to just uncover something new. Every time I go looking, and uh, it's something I have to kind of put down and come back to once in a while. <laughs> yeah. But it's well, been a, uh, yeah. It's a uh, passion. Just been, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny, like, because I was just gonna say the with the Ashtar message and all these all these they always come and they always have these messages then they fucking like leave and they never come back so it's like i can't really take their you know sometimes the con you know the the space brother would come back to the person or whatever but i'm talking like they haven't come back in 2022 you know what i'm saying like the person who I think told he actually says i think he actually says yeah. in that message that he's leaving i think that's like a farewell from ashtar in a way oh okay We've been he here, identify and you guys as ruining the planet. Yeah, he's like, you know, we've been we've been appearing in your skies for years, trying to tell you this stuff, and like we're done, you know. But here's something interesting I I found just yesterday. So this this just goes to show you, I'm always finding new weird stuff. There yeah. was um 
petitions from people within NASA, and I think, like, I'm not sure if it was SETI, because I don't think SETI was really established yet in 77. It might have been. But um, people that were interested in monitoring radio signals from space were concerned about GPS satellites coming into space, and that was around the time those were being launched, around 77, 78. Um, and the reason for this is because it would inter- they'd be operating on the same frequencies as what these people supposed aliens would be if they tried to contact Earth. So there were scientists at the time that were very interested in, in contact with, or at least monitoring for signals coming from outer space, um, that were concerned that the launching of the GPS satellites and the frequencies they were using would disrupt that or make it so that it couldn't happen. Ah, interesting. Yeah, it's a pretty weird thing. Because <laughs> you never think yeah. about GPS. You're like, I guess that is when they launched the satellites was way back then, you know? <laughs> yeah, but, um, there's, a, <laughs> there's a propensity. Now I'm like going to be curmudgeonly, but yeah, there's like a propensity for we, we people, human humanity or whatever, like like sometimes, most of the time, more often than not, we just don't. We don't really exercise uh, restraint well, because what, what you're talking about makes me think of, like, uh, space junk and how, like, the planet is, like, en- encircled by a giant ring of fucking trash and shit and, and shit we've sent up to space. And it's like, it all just kind of, we, we, we have, once, once we get our get worked up about something, we kind of, like, overdo it in a way, you know? Like Absolutely. like almost like right, like cigarettes, it. you know. Like everybody was fucking, you know. It's like, oh, here are these things are cigarettes, and now we can advertise them and shit. And then it's like, oh, it turns out these things kill you. So let's not, you know, let's not do, let's not make these any, you know, we won't, we don't want people smoking these things anymore. But it's like kind of like they, we get all worked up about shit, we overdo it, and then it turns out we made a big mistake. Internet, yeah. social media, Facebook, you know what I mean? It's like you can just see it over and over and over again. Yep. And I mean, with all the space junk up there, we're probably like, uh, you know, bringing down the property value of the solar system. <laughs> the flying saucers just go by and we're like, what a shithole, man. Let's not go there. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, no, exactly. They're probably like, they probably look at our planet and they're like, oh, these assholes just figured out how to get off the planet and look what they've done to the outside of their planet. You know, like, we've ruined it's the fucking like planet. Yeah, we're ruining now. We're ruining <laughs> as far as we can get outside the planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're littering on other planets, leaving stuff on the moon, uh, dropping shit on Mars. <laughs> yeah, I saw that recently. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Where like they dropped a thing, and then NASA was like, "Look, it's an interstellar art project," and it's like, "Now, nah, do you just left your fucking trash on Mars? Like, pick pick that pick that bolt up, dude. Like, don't just drop it there." <laughs> But that's the way to let them know we're here. Humans are here, man. We're, well, she'll know our presence from the trash we leave behind. Right. And then it'll be like that old commercial from the 70s with the Native American guy. Only it'll be a Martian, and he'll, like, turn and face the camera and have a single tear run down his face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the, you know, it's funny, like, to talk about humanity and shit, and it's like, uh, we, I, I I think I've mentioned Zelia probably more often than many get, previous guests we've had, but it's like uh, kind of talking about like Space Brothers, encounters with these things, 
these different entities and shit. It's like talking, comparing it to what we were just talking about with people. It's like, I guess it's kind of funny, with the exception of Symington and his pancakes, they very rarely, like, leave behind anything. They're, 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 they're very tidy visitors, uh, which I guess is a credit to them. Yeah, I mean, you really got to hand it to them. It's, uh, <laughs> it's very considerate of them, for sure. Yeah, because I think like even even when even when like there's stories like people who encounter uh, tribes of people that have never met anyone before, and I guarantee you that they leave them behind something. You know what I mean? Even if it's like right. some thing, just to show like here's a thing from our civilization and shit. It's like no, nah, they they don't do that. They don't do that here. So I don't know. I mean that was actually very weird. You know, Philip Class's arguments. With uh, the non-reality of abduction events or any of these uh, stories actually being true, is lack of physical evidence. You know, like why don't they ever leave anything behind? You know, so. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the. Yeah, that's the that's the million dollar question, right? In a way, because it's like so many people say they were abducted, but it's like very. We don't have any sort of like DNA or anything which one would think they can get DNA off anything. So it's very, uh, it's very weird. Uh, yeah, but I, I do kind of, I'm more of the opinion that it's equally mental or some shit. You know what I mean? Not, not a hallucination, but, uh, like a manifestation or something. I don't know. It's hard to put your finger on it, but well, whatever all, the weirdness is. It's all in the same. Yeah. I mean, it, it exists somewhere in between reality and non-reality. You know, <laughs> All of these things do. I mean, at the end of the day, what we have is stories, you know, yeah. and um, you can look at all of history that way. I mean, uh, if you weren't there, this is the way I look at it. If I wasn't there at the time, I can't tell you exactly what happened. I have to take somebody's word for it, right? Um, if I was there at the time, I have to trust my own perception of events and my own memory of events. Yeah. And and we know those things are faulty. So <laughs> Right. So you can't even really trust your own senses when it comes to it down to it at the end of the day. So what what are we left with? We're left with stories and narratives and we're left with um how that shapes our, our personal cosmology and how that how that affects our concept of reality. And at the end of the day that's ultimately what's gonna end up being important. Um, yeah, I do think it's important that we have some consensus on that. There needs to be some generally agreed upon things, you know, <laughs> or, else, uh, or, or else we're at a real like Tower of Babel moment, you know, where nobody can talk to each other. And that's kind of where we've been is just uh, um, we, we need some some manner of consensus, but uh, not to get too broad on all this stuff, but but ultimately, like. Yeah, what we have is the stories, and what we have is 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 our our consciousness and our way of relating to one another, and that's that's the most important part. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I talked about that on the show a couple of weeks ago with uh, with uh, Doctor Cogs, Chris Cogswell, um, and Marie uh, Marie Mayhew uh, about sort of like how yeah, this reality has become fractured. Um, Mostly, I think, in a lot of ways, due to the internet, and almost entirely due to the internet, and and uh, so it's like 
people are in their silos and shit. And it's like, we need to get back to, like you were saying, like a shared reality. You know what I mean? Even, even like, even, even if something, I don't know, it's not simple, but even like the war in Ukraine and shit, people, like, it seems like we almost have a consensus reality, but there's still some people on the fringes who are like, nah, it's all bullshit. So I guess there'll always right. be people like that, but but that, that this yeah. actually might be the closest thing I've seen to a clo- a, clo- a fairly decent dose of shared reality. But in the last few years, it's been particularly unsettling the fractured oh, reality yeah. of people. Absolutely, yeah. And it's like when you, um... <laughs> yeah, I mean, when when you realize that your reality is at a very foundational level, completely different from the person you're talking to, then what basis do you have to even argue or, or converse with them at all? You know, right. Cause right. you're like, Oh, well we can't agree about that. You know, like if you say like, Oh, the sky is blue. And they say, there's no sky. Sky doesn't exist. Like how do you proceed? <laughs> yeah, from yeah. You can't have a conversation after that. Like you can't. <laughs> right, There's right. nothing left to talk. You can't talk about the moon now. You can't talk about clouds. You can't talk about atmosphere or anything like that because you can't even agree that there's a sky. You know, I mean, I'm using right, like yeah. an extreme example, but <laughs> um, I don't think anybody believes there's no sky, except maybe you know maybe the flat earthers. But um, <laughs> I think they think there's a sky, but it's like not quite the sky we think it is, of course. But yeah, well, that was yeah. That you, you reminded me of the flat earth. So yeah, in a way, it's kind of like that. But you have to, at least from my experience, you have to like just <laughs> just put that out of your mind if you're talking to them. In a sense, it's like it, as crazy as it sounds, right? It's like okay, we know the Earth is round, but like when you're talking to them, you're talking to someone who, in their mind lives on a flat earth and it's yeah. like okay that's that's like once you kind of accept that and realize that and you're like okay this person lives in their mind they live on a flat fucking earth um you know then you have to kind of pivot to like so <laughs> at least for me like i remember like being at the bar and shit and so it would be like so do you like follow sports like <laughs> i gotta have to like find how about those socks huh or yeah, like I gotta find some place to stick the flag, and then I can maybe work out a little bit from there because uh, I don't know where to begin with the fact that this guy lives on a flat Earth. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, interesting. In- interesting. Yeah. I'm all set with the flat Earth because I've discovered the donut Earth theory because that, ex- that explains why there's a, there's still a gravitational field. It's like a flat Earth, but it's just a, it's a tube that goes around like a donut, and everything just kind of goes through the middle. The gravitational fields work through the middle of it. So Interesting. How old <laughs> is this, this donut theory? Uh, I found it in a magazine from, like, 1972, and I don't think okay, it was so, a widely yeah. shared belief, but it was, it was somebody, somebody came up with it, and then quoted some Bible passages that I guess backed them up. But always. <laughs> always. Always with the Bible passages. <laughs> but yeah, no, I can get down with the donut earth. Donut earth sounds good to me. It sounds more fun than flat. Well you're all about the donuts, right? What's the you're a you're a donut aficionado. Yeah, I guess so. It's it's that's what I've adopted as a um as your 
food mascot. <laughs> my food mascot, I guess. My my spiritual icon is the uh, the donut halo. Um, well, what's your? I'll get. I'll, <laughs> where where do you uh, do you now? Do you go like do you seek out quality donuts, or are you just kind of like if you just like donuts? I do, yeah. I mean, it's become it's the kind of thing where, like, once you start joking about something, it builds on itself, and other people yeah. joke about it for you, and then it becomes this whole thing. So, you know, at some point, I was just like, well, fuck it. I guess I'm the donut wizard now. <laughs> donut magic. But um, it, it actually all started because my friend SJ and I were uh, talking about uh, – you know, we used to talk about donuts and ghosts and paranormal stuff. And we had the idea that we could pitch to the Food Network. So Food Network execs, if you're listening right now, we will go around and investigate paranormal locations and then eat donuts. Find local donut shops to interview witnesses at. So <laughs> that's kind of where it began was just the idea of like paranormal donuts having a paranormal yeah. donuts TV show, and we would joke about it all the time. But um, but that, that's where it started, and I'm not sure people realize that, but it's the kind of thing that's just built on itself. And it's the kind of ridiculousness and absurdity that I think I think is sometimes lacking out there. Um, I, I, <laughs> I, I've said it before, and I, I kind of feel like if I can make people, you know, smile or laugh or just shake their head, uh, at my antics, then um, I, I feel like that's that's in itself a kind of a magic working, you know. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. It's well, I'll cut from the same cloth. So, yeah. yeah, it's li- lifting lifting somebody's mood remotely through through my ridiculous actions. I think um, it's uh, it's more fun that way for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of artisanal donut places out there, that's for sure. Uh, there's one oh, that's yeah, like angel like angel wings or something, but I I went there, but I don't remember where the fuck it was. I, I somewhere mm-hmm. in New England. It must be. Yeah. Okay, yeah. All the right. Holy donut. Yeah. That's the holy donut. The holy donut, the yeah, yeah, okay, that's it. Yeah, holy donut. Yep. And that's yeah, um, that's pretty good. There's one in there's one in Portland and there's one in uh, Scarborough, I think. So um, yeah, it was probably when you went up there for the uh, cryptozoology conference. It absolutely was. Yep, I was trying yeah. to remember because I've been to a bunch of different. Uh, I will say, I will give credit where credit's due, uh, and I'll probably loop you into a lot of this shit as time goes by. But I remember when I first got into this, it was like there was never anything. We kind of talked about this over Labor Day, but there was nothing ever. New England was like. Not a great place for paranormal and shit, like stuff happening. And now, now there's a good, you know, there's two or three or four good events every year you can go and check out. So it's uh, it's really turned around in a big way. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been to the cryptozoological museum, cryptozoology museum, a number of times, but I'd love to go to the conference up there when it comes back. Um. Because I ended up going to a different one that was the same weekend in, in West Warwick. Yeah, Rhode down in Rhode Island. Yeah. 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 But we have the Exeter UFO Festival, which I'm, I'm looking forward to its return this year. Yeah, um, I'll be interested in, in seeing it. It's uh, Yeah, for folks who are in New England, the Exeter UFO Festival is 
uh, coming back. So, yeah, <laughs> or, or after uh, two years. Yeah, after two years. I was surprised it didn't come back last year, but, um, yeah, after two years, it'll be back. I think that I'm really, yeah, I think it'll, there'll be a real excitement there because it's been so long since they did it. So um, it should be a lot of fun. And it's good, because I remember, God bless you, like I said, Adam, uh, I almost called, called you Adam, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> AP is, uh, is uh, he's a total sweetheart, because I was on Twitter lamenting about how Labor Day weekend used to be hopping here in New England for paranormal stuff, because uh, Lauren had his event, and there was the Exeter event, and you could do both events, pretty much. Uh, and it was it was just awesome. And then last year, it was like there was nothing. It was very depressing. And Matt uh, reached out and was like, "Let's do something. Let's go on an adventure. Keep the keep the Labor Day spirit alive." And I really appreciated that, man. It really meant a lot to me. So, you know, that was oh, uh, awesome of you. Oh well, you know, you're welcome. That was a fun day. We had some fun. We ate some pizza. Yeah, that's when we went to America's Stone Edge. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> um, now you um now you've interestingly you you've been doing some podcasting. Right, we were talking about this a little bit last night. So you you're you're in the the podcasting realm. Let's talk about that a little bit and plug plug the podcast. Yeah, the podcast is um, the Eternal Void, but with jazz. It had been around for about a year, and uh, the host t- took a hiatus. So I decided to step in. I offered to step in and host guest host, do a little bit of stunt hosting for the show. But now it's kind of gotten to the point where we're just like co-hosts. So Shell is still, you know, the main mind behind the Eternal Void, but with Jazz. Uh, and um, together now we've done a few interviews, and uh, we're hoping to, to get it back rolling again in the coming months. Um, but if you go on there, we have we have an interview we did with Alan Greenfield. We have uh, one with Stardog. Uh, it was a good friend of mine, and um, we had a bunch lined up for March that all fell through for different reasons. So it <laughs> wasn't anybody's fault in particular. <laughs> so we're hoping to get back on the. Um, we're hoping to get back on 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 the rolling with it. This seems like it was just a crazy month for a lot of people, uh, myself included. March, but um, what's that? Yeah. What month? Just the, March. Yeah, it's like the beginning part of March, pretty much. Yeah, I had a crazy like, January. January. I don't know. This this year this year yeah. just seems like it's you know, you know what it was? I hate to be like one of those people, but it really it really was the Betty White thing. It was like fucking Betty White died and everybody was all just discombobulated at the at the start of the year. It was like literally right before the the year started. And it seemed like no one ever really quite you know, then then it just then it just got to be like weirder and weirder. And now, uh, like we're on the cusp of World War Three. It's like it, it, I'm getting a lot of very 2020 vibes from 2022, which is not a good sign because we, 2020 sucked, and 2022 is way too soon after 2020 for another really terrible year. Yeah, no, I agree with you, and um, I mean, my thoughts are with the people who. Of, of Ukraine, you know, because I can't imagine what they're going through. Um, I really, you know, I'm I'm optimistic about it. I don't think it's going to turn into a worldwide conflict. I, I don't think it necessarily does any good to be alarmist about it. Um, 
um, right, like, right, you right. Be, you have to be realistic. You have to realize it's not a good thing. But um, where I go to first is just sympathy for the people that are being displaced right now, and <laughs> you know. Oh yeah, it's, uh, you watch those videos and shit, and the coverage of it. It's like it's heartbreaking. Not just, I mean, obviously, all the people that are dying and 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 just innocent people and shit. It it started out where it was like, okay, this is, seems like a this seems like a traditional war, I guess you would say. Like the the soldiers are fighting with each other, and now it's just taken on a really fucking sinister and dark and and uh, heartbreaking and horrifying turn. Where it's like now the Russians are just like, we're gonna fucking just blow up everything. And it's right. like, what the fuck? Like, like, dude, you see those videos of these places. It's like, look, if the war ended tomorrow, how is anyone going to live in these places? Like, these cities are gone. Yeah. Like, they're yeah. fucking gone. Like, don't tell me about, like, dropping a nuke on these. Like, you, you, you don't need to drop a nuke on these. These buildings are fucking just gone. Yeah. Ugh, it's, it's really, yeah, it's maddening. It's madness. It's scary. It is. Yeah. Oh jeez. Yeah. But um yeah, yeah. No, it's a very stress inducing world that we live in these days. Aside from 
I know I kind of know the answer to this, but aside from the beings, and we're going to hit the wall like in five minutes. Can you go like maybe like five five or so minutes after, five ten minutes after the show? Yeah, yeah, no problem. All right. Because right, I, I like to I like to land the plane like I, <laughs> I don't like to like slam the fucking joystick down and be like all right well, it's good having you on the, you know it's like if we're oh. if we're kind of cooking I'll I'll wind this down to the to a proper ending but um you so, have told yeah, me for like, everybody I guess that's you, listening for everybody that's listening I'm glad you're here thanks for li- tuning in before before we go yeah. I just want to thank those people for uh, for being there. <laughs> we got a hopping, we got a hopping chat room tonight. Baruti, Jim Lydica, Sasquara, and Zach Copley, uh, Sarah down in, down in all the way down in Australia. Sarah listens faithfully down in Australia uh, to the live shows. Um, yeah, and Zach Copples Copley. I know, I know. So and tons of people, uh, tons of people were all jazzed up. No pun intended uh, about about your show uh, when we posted about it. Earlier today, so uh, yeah, I hope I hope some of them are tuning in too. Um, and thank you to everybody who who spread the word about tonight's program. Um, so tell me, I guess talk a little bit about your you had a UFO experience. You saw a UFO, right? I think I want to say you, I think you said you had two sightings, but I know for sure you had definitely had one because I remember you telling me the story. So um, I was going to say beyond the childhood entities. Incident? Have you had any other? As I said, I knew the answer to this. Maybe there's more that I don't know about. But uh, have you had other experiences with high strangeness? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I could go on for a while about it. But I, I think maybe what you're referring to is there was a time. Uh, it was during the middle of winter, one of those like nights where it's like nine degrees, and then there's like twenty mile an hour winds. And um, oh, yeah. I used to have to drive. I used to have to drive from the Worcester area all the way up to Brattleboro, Vermont, to drop off my son with his mother. Um, and, <laughs> you know, on the home stretch, there was a little pull-off area on Route 2 that I, I would always get out, stretch my legs, and have a, have a cigarette. And um, that's where I saw that, that's where I saw what I would consider a UFO by you know the actual definition of it, it's a red light in the sky that I couldn't identify. Um, that was that was a weird that was a weird circumstance, and I did end up seeing it again like multiple times in that same location. But uh, what was weird about it to me was a small red light just making its way across the sky, and I'm thinking, oh, that could be anything. Um, I don't think it's a plane. It doesn't seem to have any blinking lights. That could be, you know, whatever. It's not like it made a 90-degree turn or anything like that. And then right after I had that thought, the thing makes a 90-degree turn. And I'm like, what the? <laughs> like, without slowing yeah. down at all. And I'm like, what? All right. Okay, now I'm paying attention. And then it's just up there doing, like, these weird loop-de-loops and figure-eight patterns in the sky. And I was, you know, I was kind of thrilled about it because uh, I'm like, am I am I actually seeing a UFO? wild like this is crazy right now um <clears throat> so i mean i honestly really don't know what that could have been yeah. i don't think it was a drone it was i don't know what kind of crazy jerk stands out uh in, in like massachusetts nine degrees with like a 20 20 mile per hour headwind 
Uh, yeah, yeah. He's going to bundle up and be outside flying a drone around. But whatever what it was, was it seemed to be. It would have been 2019, I think, 2018. Okay, so that's, yeah. So I guess the drone thing is still plausible. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, right. yeah. But, yeah, and then the now, weird thing is. It's weird. Like a week, a you, week later, I, I went to the same spot and saw it again. So oh, strange. <laughs> it was still, it was almost like it was still there, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, and it was, and I mean, I still do kind of see him from time to time, and I'm like, to me, it's it's hard to, for me to even consider it a UFO because it's not like I could see a flying saucer. It's not right, like I could right. see a shape to it. To me, it's just a red dot, but it's up there and it's doing maneuvers that I can't attribute to anything else. So I don't know. I don't know what else to call it. You know. So. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Yeah. To me, yeah. If I if I wanted if I if I had a UFO experience, I would want it to be, uh, yeah, I would want it to be more definitive, in a sense. Right. <laughs> it's like the whole idea of lights in the sky, even as a as a I don't know what I as an observer. I'm not a researcher or a, or even I'm a faux journalist, I guess you could say. I'm I'm like a like what I'm like a, what a pro wrestler is to sports. That's what I am to <laughs> journalism. Um, but but yeah, the lights in the sky and like that that, that kind of stuff just doesn't excite me anymore. It's got to be it's got to be something tangible that you can kind of you know wrap your arms around. So that's why I like those classic stories of like weird shit like, like you were saying the weirder the better it's like no, you know, very few like light in the sky stories are, are weird uh has to has to involve a creature or a landing or <laughs> something something where you're like holy shit that's definitely not venus yeah and i mean the, the the weird part about it for me was that i just had that thought like you know maybe if it made a 90 degree turn and then it's just what i was thinking you know <laughs> yeah. like uh I mean that's weird, but yeah, the actual uh, what I actually saw, whatever that light was, um, it's one of those things that just it's teeters on the edge of of being, you know, something that you could make a big claim about, <laughs> while still being something that's probably explainable. But I I don't know what it is, you know. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the. Yeah, I had a friend, and he had a UFO sighting, and it was vivid, but it was like what you're describing. And I was like, did you try – I don't know if I asked you this question either, but but I I know it wasn't you that I was talking to because I remember distinctly this conversation, but it was like, um, I'm like, did you try to communicate with it and be like, hey, I can see you. Can you see me? And they kind of – and they kind of scoffed at me, and they were like, that's – that's ridiculous. And I'm like, dude, you're talking about <laughs> you're talking about a UFO sighting you had. Like, I would try everything to try and, you know, uh, is goofy. I don't know what you I would necessarily call it science, but like, I would just try every sort of weird, you know, flash a light at it, Let, see if you can get it to react at all. Um, sure. Even even as implausible as it is, if it's some giant thing up in the sky, like, how would it just see you on the ground? But who knows? There was some connection there or something. But uh, did you try and communicate with it at all? Yeah, I did. And it was um, like the following week when I was uh, on my way back, uh, when I went out to pick up my son and I was on my way back home, I was like, I told him about it. And we stopped there and we saw it again. 
And it's like both my son and I were like, we can see you. We're like saying it out loud, like, come down, you know? Yeah, yeah. And um, what, what, what I noticed is like any attempt to, to actually project thought its way would make it stop moving around. It would basically like settle down into one spot and then just kind of swing back and forth ever so slowly, which could just be a trick of the eyes. And that that was strange to me. But I'm open yeah. to all kinds of ideas like that because, I mean, yeah, what's yeah. the worst that's going to happen? You're just going to feel stupid for doing it, you know? And if you're the only one there, like, who cares? You don't have to tell anybody you did it. <laughs> right. That um, was that was the bewildering part of the conversation I had with the friend where it was like, it was like you, you're describing this UFO sighting. You're saying it's a UFO sighting. But then when I say you should have tried to, like, even mentally just be like, think to yourself, okay, if you can hear me, I can see you or whatever. And it was like, people, that's that's crazy. It's like, it's like it's a fucking UFO, dude. Like, try, try whatever, you know, this whole thing is crazy. So, so what are you afraid, like, was... people, people are going to laugh at you, like, <laughs> you're talking about a UFO right. sighting. I mean, just the other day, it was World Contact Day. Um, it was actually the 70th annual World Contact Day. Um, oh, shit. What day was that? The 15th. Ah, the 15th. shit. I missed it. Yeah. I know. It was like one of the anniversary days. And it was, <laughs> I didn't realize until oh, the end of the day. Cause the first one was in 1952. It was uh, Albert Bender um, uh, trying to... He put out his call to the space people uh, to communicate with them, and and came up with World Contact Day, and that was the whole point. It was trying to like telepathically communicate with with the Space Brothers, you know. Um, so, you know, on the other day, what I did was I, I I had this experiment that I wanted to try and get everybody to listen to the song, um, calling occupants of interplanetary craft any version they want to use because most of those lyrics came from Al Bender's original, um, uh, you know, his original message to the space people that people were supposed to telepathically project. Yeah. So I was interested in seeing what would happen if a ton of people did it, you know, so I put it on Twitter and uh, I think people probably did. I saw it get retweeted around, so. I'm sure a bunch of people listened to the song that day. And uh, I'm interested in knowing if anybody actually got any messages or saw anything weird. Because uh, every Wednesday night now, the Luminal Earth Group is doing a Wednesday night UFO watch where they they all kind of work together and give you little um, side quests that you can do and different activities. So for anybody interested in joining with that, just, uh, just ha- hashtag WUFO. And we try all kinds of, <laughs> we come up with all kinds of wacky, off-the-wall ways of uh, trying to attract UFOs. And if nothing else happens, at least you, uh, you know, if nothing else happens, you are outside looking at the stars and have a nice, peaceful time. <laughs> and, <laughs> so and you, you made some friends. Right? Yeah, exactly. You can talk to people about it. Yep. Um well, before I let you go, let's plug also uh, Liminal Earth because you're you are uh, you're pretty clo- tight with those guys, and uh, you sort of I don't know if you have a it's very so it is kind of a, uh, we don't have time to get into Discordianism, but it is kind of a little bit Discordian in a sense where it's like this titles and that kind of thing. So what's what's your uh, you know what's your affiliation with Liminal Earth and talk a little bit about you know. Uh, that fantastic site. We've had the guys on the show before, but it's good to uh, make oh, sure yeah. people hear about it. 
yeah, I mean, at one point they were originally Luminal Seattle, and when they opened it up worldwide and talked about having ambassadors in different regions, I I was like, you know, knocking down the door to to do that because <laughs> <I thought, laughs> their their whole project is so cool, just a worldwide map where you can just add your sightings or your experiences and put it on there for anybody to be able to read your story and and other people can refer to that when they're looking for places to investigate or just places to check out or hang out or compare their experiences to what's happened in the area. So so I became the ambassador for Massachusetts. I think we actually have a couple of people from Massachusetts that are uh, in the the group now that that are more active in the group. But um, yeah, uh, they've just been doing cooler and cooler things (laughs) in the past year or two. um, I, I feel like it's just, gotten better and better so um i'm happy to help them out and in whatever way i can and i'm just happy to know them you know but yeah the wednesday night ufo watch is one of the big things they're doing at the moment um that's based on the idea of that john keel talks about in the mothman prophecies where statistically speaking wednesday night around 10 p.m is the best time to see ufo yeah um and uh yeah, you go to liminal dot earth. If you have a weird story to share with us, we'd love to hear it. And you can you can put it on the map, or you can just cruise around the map and look at the entries we have. Um, they're very active on TikTok now. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say TikTok famous, you know. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. You were saying they're doing a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, they they're yeah they're over on TikTok now doing uh, interesting. Interesting uh, little videos and shit. They, I watched one the other day where they were like, um, I'm sure you saw it, where it was like, uh, it was like a challenge to go into Walmart or whatever and buy the most esoteric thing. They, I think they say liminal, but it's oh. all you know, the same thing. Thrift it's like the weirdest yeah, it was thing. The thrift store challenge. They had like a ten dollar yeah, yeah, yeah. store, and whoever could come out with like the weirdest thing. Yeah. Yeah. That that might so, become a they're doing cool shit thing too. Right, yeah, we were talking about doing that um, uh, as as like a worldwide thing, where <laughs> they set a set a time where you can go and who can come up with the weirdest thing. So, um, yeah, I like that a lot. I would, I would, uh, I don't know if they have a thrift store around here near me, but they have a used book superstore that's uh, kind of still. Did we go there when you came to visit me or not? No, no. Okay, next time you do. It's the largest used bookstore in Ma- in New England, I think. Which is really? uh and their their paranormal section is not great, but I think I Oh, you bought a bunch of fate magazines. I think at one point I went in there and they had a, a whole bunch of like it was kind of thing that drives me crazy. I don't know, but you're kind of like me. I think you're kind of like a collector. So it's like they had the Time Life series, but it was like there it it was missing like if the Time Life series was like 20 books, it was missing like 5 of them and it wasn't five in a row you know what i mean it was like uh, they had books yeah. one they had books one two three seven nine thirteen fourteen it was like oh, fuck i don't want to have to chase down all the all the uh remaining time life books but right yeah yeah oh man so all right so we can direct people to apstrange.com because i could keep talking to you all night brother but uh you know, we've we've been going for two hours and it's Friday night, so I want you to be able to at least yeah. make something out of your evening. So, <laughs> um, so the the website is apstrange.com. That's sort of uh, 
You should put, like, your Twitter somewhere really, uh, you know, where people can find it right away, because uh, uh, I'm going to give it to them now, but if they go to AP Strange, they can't find it right away. So the Twitter, which I have here, because I'm buddies with Matt, and uh, I have all these windows open here, it's AP Prodigiosis, and that's uh, A-P-R-O-D-I-G-I-O-S-U-S. And I think, let's check this. Oh, there you go. If you just Google AP Strange, I just did it, and uh, it's funny. You joked with me about this when you were first starting. You were like, people will think that it's the Associated Press, and I just did. Right. I just highlighted AP Strange on Google on your on Twitter and did one of those. I use Firefox, so it's like search on Google, uh, search mm-hmm. Google for AP Strange. So I just did that, and the top thing that popped up was the was the AP. Newswire oddities section, and then right underneath, I should take. I'm going to take a screen capture and send this to you. You'll like it because is your is you. So so if people just uh, is you on Twitter and literally a picture of you. So but by by sheer timing, I'm going to send this to you right now so you can see what I'm talking about. So if people just Google AP Strange, um, they will see they will see. Matt's Twitter account, right? There you go. I just sent it to you. I don't know if you have access to a computer at the moment, yes. but that's what comes up when you Google AP Strange. A picture of you with your Fez hat that just arrived uh, earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. The, yeah, yeah. So people just Google AP Strange, and, uh, and Matt's Twitter account pops up, and that's kind of his main uh, hub for uh, – for weird stuff, and uh, like I said, I, I I really am getting more and more into. If the flat Earth thing was kind of like, I guess to trace my evolution a little bit, it was like I kind of I joke in a way where it's like my tolerance for strange, I reached sort of a tolerance for strange, and it's like I needed more. I needed to go, you know, it's like the person, it's like the gate, like they say, oh, marijuana is a gateway drug, or it was like if if the paradigm was like my weed, it was like I need some smack. I need some hard. Right. I need some shit that'll really fuck you up. I need to go to a flat Earth conference. <laughs> so, 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 I guess I suppose this would be like my this would be like my my next phase where maybe I've kicked the habit of of the hard shit and uh, I'm really taken with uh, this retro scene. And and you you're a huge fan of the retro scene, a huge purveyor of the retro stuff. Um, Yep. You know your your Twitter account is a uh, must follow for people who are interested in in and that kind of stuff. You know um, the shit that that really I don't know that just people uh, it was just weirder back then the absurd stuff um, that you just don't see anymore. Uh, you still see it right. from time to time. I'm mean, shit. I cover it from time to time, but it's like not just not the same um, as as the kitschy retro weird. So and as I said, your every day I'm seeing something new that you've tweeted that's like that's uh you know, really cool and in that vein. So kudos to you, man. You're doing uh yeoman's work. All right. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. All right. And where can should we plug the let's do the podcast? Is there a website for the podcast? Uh well if you search any of your podcast players for the the eternal void but with jazz. I mean, just the eternal void if you type that in, it'll pop up. And, um, yeah, right. you'll be able to find it for sure. All right. So, nice. uh, and Check it out. On com, there's a separate page on there for all the podcast stuff, 
which includes any other appearances I've done on podcasts and all the ones I've co-hosted. So, Excellent. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thank you very much. I loved this conversation. Like I said, I could, I could, you know, well, we're going to keep talking. We're going to be hanging out, I would venture to guess, at least once this year, probably twice or if not more, because um, right. we're only like like 20 minutes away from each other. So uh, right, we'll, right. we'll continue this conversation uh, at the bar uh, in the future, and uh, I hope okay. the folks listening at home enjoyed it, and, and I really had a great time. Thanks for coming on the show, man. It was long overdue. All right. Thanks for having me. All right, brother. Good night. All right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you soon. Later, brother. All right. There you go, folks. That was uh, Matt Hopewell, AP Strange. Uh, yeah, that was cool. If you ever wanted to wonder what it was like, uh, you know, with with the <laughs> with the exception of uh, we we didn't do any gossiping, but aside from uh, aside from that, that was pretty much what you'd expect if we went out for beers, uh, or when we do go out for beers, or when we're exploring uh, America's Stonehenge. That's what that's what uh, that's what the conversations are like, pretty much just uh, pontificating the weirdness of all this. So, yeah, as I said, punch in AP Strange. That's got to be the best way to do it. Punch in AP Strange into your Google machine, and uh, he pops up uh, number two on there. And that will bring you to all of uh, his different stuff, or apstrange.com is uh, the website. So, what's going on? Uh, as I said, this end of winter uh, snuck up on me, sneaked up on me um, last week. So I still had uh, additional guests in mind <laughs> that I that I was like, well, um, you know, I've got it booked through through Matt, and um, and then I think like uh, as I was getting closer to last week's episode uh, with Aaron and Sam, that's when I realized that it was uh, the end of winter, and it was like, oh shit, well, should I book more guests? What should I do? I don't know what's going on. So essentially. I, I think I'm going to take the week off next week and uh, and, and try and figure out what we want to do next um, because I've definitely not done podcasting this year. Uh, this is only our fifth show of 2022, so I, I definitely envision doing more shows. Um, I think uh, I think I'm going to take a, a week or two off and and try and come up with. Uh, you know, freshen up my list a little bit, and with a with an idea of doing you know an, another chunk of shows because I think the list I have right now is sort of uh, there's you know there's not enough for another chunk. Let's put it that way. There's like three or four people, um, you know, that I still have on my list, and there's always people I think I'm like oh, I want to interview that person. I never write it down. So there's I mean I, I would say there's a whole bunch, but I got to like sit down and really think about it. So I'm rambling now a little bit, but that's kind of the point. Uh, I guess we're going to, I guess the point would be because I have OCD, which I've talked about, not like crazy OCD or that, that, that's a poor choice of words, but not uh, like, like uh, not debilitating OCD or anything like that, but it gets in my head where it's like, I need closure is the point I'm trying to make. So, uh, we will close the book now, tonight, on the winter weirdness. Because, as I said, we can't do a winter weirdness show uh, next week, because next week is the springtime. So this is the end of the winter weirdness. 
So to uh, put an exclamation point on it, I want to thank all the folks who appeared here on the Winter Weirdness session. And uh, that was – it was ten shows, which I think is pretty good for for Banal of America these days. Um, And uh, five back at the end of 2021 and then five here uh, at the beginning of 2022. I'll run down the list here. John Tenney, Amanda Paulson, Paul Bartholomew. Steve Berg and a whole cavalcade of been all of America friends uh, for the big Christmas party. Uh, Greg Bishop for the year in review. Zelia Edgar for the uh, amazing uh, conversation about retro creature encounters. Uh, Dr. Tyler Coke, John, Chris Cogswell, Dr. Chris Cogswell, and Marie Mayhew, Aaron Gullius and Samantha Engel, and of course tonight's guest Matt Hopewell. So. Big thanks to all those folks for giving up their time uh, to do the show, to come on with All of America. And uh, what I liked is uh, kind of in keeping with what we've been trying to do the last few years is we brought a lot of new voices onto the show. Uh, we talked to a lot of people we hadn't gotten ever had on the show before um, this season, not unlike, uh, not unlike the summer of strangeness. So I have a feeling, you know, when we come back next, you'll be seeing a lot of stuff like that. So uh, that's about it, really. I have no plan. I have every intention of uh, of podcasting again in the not-too-distant future. Um, there's a yearning inside of me. I say this at the end every time I sort of close the book on these sections of the show. It's like these chapters. Um, there's a part of me that wants to uh, upgrade the... <laughs> the operation but then there's another part of me the more uh the 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 dominant part of me that's just lazy so we'll see we'll see if i if i can ever overcome that laziness and and really because uh, i would like to if i do anything it would be like it's a, a real massive overhaul of of banal america and sort of like uh you know refresh the production refresh the distribution all that shit and it's like it's such a daunting task after oh 15 years of doing it this way uh that to me it's like every time i think about it i just get overwhelmed and i'm like no just just do it over the phone on blog talk that's how we do it that's how it's always been done that's the easiest way to do it um but there is a part of me that's like Ah oh, shit, we got to get with the times here cuz <laughs> this this show get gets more uh gets more antiquated uh every every year. Um but that's that's I mean I there's a part of me also that's that's uh resistant to change for that very reason because I've always likened Banal of America to the idea of this underground show and that's uh it still is it's super underground. Uh it's sort of I I likened it to the old cassettes of of the old Art Bell show that people would pass around. That's kind of how I envisioned but all of America, um, you know. And it's kind of almost grown into that over the years. But I could ramble all night here, um, but you all want to, I don't know, stop listening, I guess. <laughs> so, And I want to get on with my night and do other things myself. So on that note, I will uh, thank Matt Hopewell once again. Uh, punch in AP Strange on your Google or go to apstrange.com and check out his uh his stuff and i will uh i'll be hanging out with him later this year and shit and uh posting cool stuff i'm sure on the twitter of our adventures and matt and i are already talking about uh going to exeter 
in Labor Day weekend in Exeter, New Hampshire. So if by some act of God you don't hear from me again, I'd be stunned if that's the case before uh, Labor Day weekend. Uh, that's where you'll find me and Matt, presumably. But who knows? Labor Day weekend. It's a long way off. Um, but, yeah, we're planning on that. And uh, who knows what other adventures we'll get up to. And uh, thanks again to everybody in the chat room, Zach Copley, Jim Latica, Jason Baruti, Sarah down in uh, Australia. Thanks to all the folks uh, who spread the word on Twitter today about tonight's big show. Thanks to all the people who listened live. And, of course, thanks to uh, everybody listening right now on the MP3. And uh, I think we covered everybody. So with all that said, thank you to everybody who's uh, been listening over the course of the winter of weirdness. Uh, I really do appreciate it. I know we're down to, uh, we got like a really, we got like a real hardcore audience. That's what I love. We got people who have been listening to this show for like 15 years, which is crazy. Um, and, and you've been following my journey for all these years. And, and uh, the journey's not over. The journey's not over. So we'll, uh, we'll be back at some point in the not too distant future. Until then, I want you all to be safe. Don't stress out too much about this crazy world. Uh, We're going to be all right. And uh, I'll be back with uh, some real weird stuff uh, before you know it. So until next time, this is Tim and All, thanking you for listening and signing off.